Scott is dribbling that bowl. Bowl? Jesus. Dribbling that bowl. bowl. (laughs) Hello, hello, hello. How's everybody doing? How was your Valentine's Day? Yeah, did you do anything fun, out of the ordinary? Did you spend it with other people? Did you spend it by yourself? Any and all plans are valid. Yeah, okay. we are just nosy and we want to know yes. what people are up to. <laughs> so. Yeah. I was talking to my sister-in-law the other day and she <laughs> she said something. She goes, I'm just nosy. So I ask your brother all the time, like, who are you texting and like, yeah. da, 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 like whatever. Um, and I had never felt like closer to her. Right. In that moment. <laughs> like, I, I feel like, seen right now. <laughs> I was just like, yes. Um, nosy yeah. queens unite. Exactly. And you know what? Gossip is a form of protection. It's a Ooh. safety tool used by women. Uh, and obviously other people. But, you know, the, the invention <laughs> of gossip was for safety and protection amongst women. So I don't want to hear any slander (laughs) about (laughs) About being nosy. (laughs) Gossiping, yeah. About being nosy, about getting in your business. Yeah, I'm staying safe. I'm being aware of my surroundings and the people that I surround myself with. (laughs) True. And you know what? We're still in fall and love February, so the rom-coms just keep becoming. And especially right now, so many rom-coms are coming out in this present moment. Like, yeah. Upgraded just came out on Amazon. Uh, Players just came out on Netflix. The One Day series just came out on Netflix. Anyone But You has come out. I feel like those are like the top ones, but I just feel like mm. rom-coms, romance is in the air. Definitely. Definitely. I think we're going to see a uh, romanaissance. Mm-hmm. And I also recently saw the like one of the teasers for season three of Bridgerton. Yes. And I was like, um, Miss freaking, what's her name? Penelope Featherington. Penelope Featherington. <laughs> yes. Fine. Tell Colin. Yeah. That he's being a little so-and-so. Absolutely. I can't wait. I'm so excited. And with that being said, um, I feel like we should talk about today's movie. Yes. I fucking loved this movie. Me I too. loved this movie. Yeah. Okay, thank God. Because I was like... <laughs> respectfully like you can have any opinion but i was like there's only one right opinion yeah so today we are covering the 2010 romantic comedy just right starring the one and only queen of frankly my heart this nation the world (laughs) the extended universe queen latifah and the absolutely delicious common (laughs) yes in his film debut yes yeah, and um, I think that we should cut him some slack. Yeah. Being that it's his film debut and he has to play opposite Queen Latifah. Right. So let's just keep that in mind. Yeah, I didn't think um, he was that bad. Come for I... his fucking neck. <laughs> yeah. I thought he was fine. I wasn't like, you know, blown away. But I thought sure. he, was, he, you know, he did what he needed to do. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the no, day, I thought he was fine. He's not the main character, so like it's fine. Yeah, and I also was like, there is chemistry between. Yeah, them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's what's really carrying it. Definitely. And before we dive too far deeply in, let me 
break down the financials. Yes. Okay, the cost of production. Mm-hmm. The budget was twelve million. Box office twenty one point five million. Wasn't like a huge box office hit, but I don't know. I just feel like the movie is very underappreciated generally. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Roger Ebert gave the film three out of four stars, which is shocking because he's like one of the harshest critics. Yeah. So I was like, what are we like not getting here? Like what are what are the what's the critique of the film? You know? Unfortunately, it has nothing to do with the film. Yeah. I would guess. And probably just everything to do with racism. Yeah. A white centric <laughs> Hollywood. Uh, that would yeah. be my guess. Because this movie is a top-tier rom-com, I would say. There were so many things I loved about it. Um, Mm -hmm. I thought that – I mean, Queen Latifah is just the most, like, charming, magnetic, effervescent, like, actor that we have the privilege of watching. She is so good with physical comedy and also incredible with these, like – hard-hitting emotional beats Mm -hmm. that I could I could watch her do anything but like she should be really like lauded as one of the greats in the rom-com canon amongst you know your Julia Roberts your Meg Ryans definitely well I just love in this film how real it feels watching Mm -hmm. like it I don't feel because you know how comedy can really sometimes like this is this was my qualm with Sweet Home Alabama, where it felt like it was really like forced and like, oh, they're hicks and like yeah. that's the butt of the joke. But in this movie, the comedy just the dialogue glides so easily into the movie. Yeah. And the way it's delivered feels incredibly natural. So that I'm like, I'm like, oh my God. Leslie is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like the delivery is just so on point. Mm-hmm. It just made the movie so easy to watch and to get very invested into yeah and it's it's nice and short it's i think like an hour 36 or something like that yeah yeah so we're not in the two hour territory which i always Mm -hmm. enjoy i love a nice tight short rom-com but yeah i i thoroughly enjoyed it this was a first time watch for the both of us I cannot believe it. I haven't seen this movie before because it combines my favorite things, <laughs> the Nets, basketball, Queen yeah. Latifah, Common. I'm like, how did I not see this earlier? Yeah. It was, it's almost like it was tailor-made for you. The only thing that would have made it more tailor-made for you if it was set just like a couple years later and the Nets were actually in Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot wait until there is a Brooklyn Nets movie mm. but i'm like who's making this is it me it could, I could, be. could i make it it could be you this might be your calling oh my god me like lauded um sports rom-com right <laughs> mariah cruz <laughs> well just like leslie wright combines her love of basketball and physical therapy oh yeah oh yeah there you go um but let's get into a little <laughs> yeah. trivia some fun facts mm-hmm. common has been a Chicago Bulls fan since he was a kid, and he took a lot of pride to make sure that the basketball scenes in the film were authentic. And he credits former NBA point guard Baron Davis for the most help as he got ready for the role. He actually followed Davis to practice, to workout sessions, and even meetings with his agent. And he also trained with a member of the New Jersey Nets staff. 
including workouts that would include 500 shots a day. That's insane. (laughs) And then other workouts would, like, focus on defense. So he trained a lot for this role. Which is great. He he is on that court. He is mm-hmm. playing with professional basketball players in this film. Yeah. <laughs> He's very toned in this film. Yeah. Absolutely. It's like not an ounce of fat on that man. Not even a stitch. Um, I <laughs> am so curious about his actual height. Because I don't trust like any mm. man celebrity's height listed on the internet. Yeah. I'm like you're all lying. He is listed as six foot, but I'm like, Paula Patton is listed as 5'7", and he does not appear to be that much taller than her. Interesting. Well, Queen Latifah is supposedly 5'10". Yeah. So I... I would guess that Common is like 5'10". Yeah. I would believe that. They well, Also, every single person who is like, whether it's... um one tree hill or like high school musical it's always the point guard who's like the main star guy and the point guard can be the shortest person on the team Mm. like is known to be you're allowed to be shorter right yeah short as in like six feet six two (laughs) but like yeah no not like a zac efron five seven kind of (laughs) right right because the point guard isn't he's trying to shoot more from the outside like three-pointers. Okay. He doesn't need to necessarily get in the paint, which is... What's the paint? That's the area just immediately around the hoop where there's, like, literal paint on the court, usually. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, your knowledge is going to come in handy because I know (laughs) nothing about basketball. (laughs) But anyone who knows Common's height, if you've met him in real life... Please no. confirm or deny, is this man six feet tall? Because, like, he, yes. he looks smaller on the court, but I'm also like, you're probably standing around people who are, like, seven feet tall. Dwayne Wade, bro? Yeah. You're standing around Dwight <laughs> Howard? Yeah. You're going to look like a fucking shorty. <laughs> yeah. Dwight Howard is literally 6'10". Oh, my God. <laughs> At what point... <laughs> Are you too tall? You know, like at what point? My brother is six two, and sometimes I'm like, "Yo, you have elephantitis." <laughs> it's like at what point? It's like, are you okay? What's it like up there? And it's not so, like I'm short, but I'm like, that's you're not. Yeah, tall. I would not consider you short. You're above average height for a woman. Yeah, but yeah, it's crazy. Like the time that I met a former knicks player oh my i'll never get that that photo photo. i will never get that photo out of my head it is like an optical illusion (laughs) because this man is like seven feet tall and i am literally standing at five foot two and i look like a child i look like a child i'm picturing it in my head right now because i know this photo is like burned into my brain because it's like i think it's still on my instagram i don't think i deleted it yeah um but if you want to see it, you can, you know, DM me. Yeah, you can always do I'll a little, send it to you. a little crop. If moment. he chose my ex boyfriend, so I might have archived. The photo. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is a it is a wild, wild photo. It, like my brain can't comprehend that height difference. Yeah, we talked about how this is Common's first leading role. Um, he did work with acting coaches Greta Seacat and Sandra Seacat and Ivana Chubuck in prep. He clearly, like, did his homework, yeah. which I really appreciate because I do think, like, a lot of people who 
go from like music to acting, they kind of just like, oh, I've got this. Like, yeah, I'll just wing it. Right. But I think he really did a phenomenal job for his first feature film. Yeah. And clearly he's, you know, improved since this movie. Yeah. <laughs> so. well, he was nominated, I'm pretty sure. I don't know if he has an Oscar or if he was nominated for an Oscar. I don't know if it, if it was like an acting role or if it was the song oh, that he did for Selma. It was the song he did for Selma. Yeah. Uh, he won the Academy Award for Best Original Song for his song Glory with John Legend. Yeah. Um, and I remember, I will never forget that performance because they performed it at the Oscars as well. And it was like the most spectacular performance I've ever seen. It was like teary-eyed. Yeah. Um, and they had like a whole... It was him performing, but, like, also, like, a whole chorus of people as well. Mm. Um, so he's a very talented gentleman. Yeah. I am now looking at his um, Wikipedia, and he does have other film credits before this movie. So I guess it's not so much that this is his film debut, but this is his, like, lead debut. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Because he has, like, <laughs> tiny little bit roles and, like, other things. Yeah. But there we go. And uh, our last little fun fact is that they did shoot, like, this whole movie in New York and New Jersey. Scott's apartment is canonically located at East 63rd and 5th Avenue on uh, the Upper East Side, right right off Ooh. the park. So very money address. Yes. And with that being said, I think we should get into it. But before we do, we just want to let you know that out today on Patreon is our Sweet Home Alabama episode. So if you feel like checking that out, head on over to Patreon and sign up if you're interested. It's $5 a month. You get a bonus episode that is picked and voted for by the patrons. Yes. And I feel like something we don't mention enough is like, yeah, you get a, a bonus episode every month, but you also get like, now we've had the Patreon for a while. Mm -hmm. So you get all of the like locked Patreon episodes yeah. that you've been wanting to hear when you join. You can listen to like all of the miscongeniality and, and prejudice and all that's on there. Mm -hmm. And even if you don't want to join, you know, forever, if there's like just a particular movie you want to hear, you can always join for a month and then decide to cancel if you wish. But yeah. All right. I guess we should. That's actually a really bad impression of basketball. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. We should uh, dribble down the court and slam dunk right into it beautiful stunning yeah so much like the last holiday mm. we begin with queen latifah just making an excellent meal for herself beautiful i won't get into it too much because it really doesn't have to do with the plot but like <laughs> she does make like eggs and like i think waffles or pancakes or something like she just makes a delicious studio ghibli ass breakfast yeah and then she gets ready to leave for work. But as she's going to leave the house, her doorknob breaks off. And she's like, Dad, you know, I thought we talked about <laughs> leaving things you don't know how to fix to the handyman. But he's like, listen, I've got this. Like, you go have fun on your date tonight. <laughs> and you know who plays her father? Who? He is Chief Richard Weber from Grey's Anatomy. Has been on the show <gasps> oh. from the beginning to this day. Uh, oh so I was God. very, very delighted. Uh, I believe his name in real life is James Pickens Jr. But yes, in my heart, he is Chief Richard Weber. 
Oh my gosh. Yes. I I recognize him um now with like the lab coat on. Yes. <laughs> that is so crazy. Yeah, they have like Felicia Rashad is just like casually Common's mom. Yeah. I'm like, okay, Mrs. Huxtable. Yeah, sure. Yeah, go <laughs> off. So I keep wanting to call her Queen Latifah. Leslie, <laughs> you know, heads out the door. She struggles to open her car door because it's busted. It has like a very big dent in the side. And as we are want to call them, this car is a jalopy. <laughs> I okay. love the word jalopy so much. I feel like it is underutilized <laughs> and we need to absolutely bring it back into rotation when we're talking about just a kind of beat up old looking car. Yeah. A jalopy. Mm-hmm. And she drives off in that jalopy. <laughs> off she does. So we see her driving, you know, into New York City where she works because she's a Jersey mm-hmm. girl, but she works in the city. Honestly, this movie was giving me a case to buy a home in Jersey because she buys like a spacious, like nice two, home. Like two-story, multiple bedroom. Multiple bedroom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Let me look up how much buying a home in Jersey costs. But anyways, go ahead. Yeah, there is an influencer that I follow who like was living in New York, but she just moved to Jersey City mm. and was like showing her apartment there and how much space she has. And she's like, and look at my view. And then it's like 15 minutes into Manhattan. And I'm like, Ooh. I see the appeal, but I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if I, I could know. actually cross the the water. The river. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, yes, she goes into the city. We, of course, see the signaling of New York, the Statue of Liberty, the skyscrapers, the subway. She is a physical therapist working at a rehab facility in a hospital. And one of her colleagues is like, oh, you have a date tonight, right? What are you going to wear? And both at the same time are like, black, obviously. The classic date night fit. Yeah. So after work, we see Leslie looking gorgeous in this, like, bodycon black dress. It has kind of, like, a V-neck. It's really cute. She looks amazing. Like, her hair is stunning as per usual. Her hair looks stunning this whole movie. I love mm-hmm. the copper. Yeah. Like, um, it's almost like a balayage, I want to say. Like, there's just, like, multiple colors. Yeah, and she has, like, a little bit of a shadow root, but, like, not much. It mm-hmm. is very well done. Yeah. So Leslie pulls up to the restaurant. There is a valet. It's like a very nice date spot. And of course, she has a busted door. She has to ask the valet to help open the door for her. And he actually ends up falling (laughs) while opening the door. Just a little physical comedy for you. And Leslie goes into the restaurant and spots who she thinks is her date and says, hello, Denzel. And it does end up being her date which i thought was going to be a ploy i thought it was going to be like oh but it's this like dorky guy over here and said no it's just like the hot guy as it should be right exactly so they introduce each other they like sit down the date seems to be going very well and leslie asks how many kids he wants and he goes as many as we can have oh my god and yeah i was like And Leslie asks if that's what he wants, even with his demanding hours. And he mentions her hours as a physical therapist. And Mark suggests they try some dessert. 
he feeds Leslie a spoonful of tiramisu. That's so intimate. Literally. <laughs> like, feeding someone else dessert. First of all, if the date is going well, you yeah. get dessert. You're not getting dessert because you want to leave. No. Right? Secondly, you get one dessert, two spoons. You're in love. Right. And then you're feeding it to them? Like, you're married. <laughs> you're you're engaged. Yeah. So it's legally binding. Yeah. <laughs> and she's just like, oh, this is delicious. And he's like, you know, let's get some dessert wine. They chat. Like, and you're getting porch? Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I – exactly. Yeah. And they're like, we could do this all night. Like, they're very, very into it. It seems to be going extremely well. Yeah. After dinner, they're standing outside the restaurant, and Leslie suggests going to a Nets game next week. And Mark is like, you're such an amazing woman, and any man that gets you is going to be very lucky. And then he makes up some absolute BS about just getting out of a relationship and not being emotionally ready. And I'm like, sir, why are you dating? Yeah. Why would you be dating if you're not emotionally ready? Yep. It is your responsibility to take yourself out of the game because you're just going to end up hurting people. Yeah. Or just be honest and be like, I don't feel those sparks. Yeah. But I'm like, you do feel sparks. Yeah. Like like everything you've just done. It Like I just don't – that's what I am like the, – the clicks aren't clicking. Yeah. Honestly, this is like the most unrealistic part of the movie to me is that you could like yeah. go on this date with Queen Latifah and not fall in love with her. Right. But it's interesting because even though throughout this movie we see her as like a very confident, successful woman, mm -hmm. the the big like thing is like, oh, people don't see her as romantic. They see her as a friend because she's not like thin and very feminine and wearing makeup and jewelry all the time. And that is also a plot line on uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. She's in an episode. I don't know if she's in like a uh, multi-episode arc mm. or if it's just one episode. But like she meets Will Smith's character and they start to have feelings for each other. But he denies it at first because she's not like physically his type. And I'm like, that is such an insane yeah. role to give Queen Latifah, who is like one of the most charming, successful, like, amazing individuals. Yeah. To make her, like, this, like, side, like, yeah, she's kind of, like, not attractive. I'm like, that's insane <laughs> yeah. behavior. Insane. Absolutely insanity. I'll never understand it. Yeah. But Mark is like, you know, we can still – and she literally finishes the sentence, like, hang out, and she's good people, She's clearly heard the speech before, yeah. and he gives her, like, a weird hug as the valet leaves to get her car. And Mark is like, so, the Nets, <laughs> like, Jesus. leave. Jesus Christ. So, Leslie gets home, and we meet her. Unclear if it's her cousin, her god sister. It, it doesn't really matter. She's, like, a relative mm -hmm. of sorts. Yeah, we only find out later that it's her god sister. Yeah. But I don't know if they're also cousins related. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. But yeah, it's Morgan, mm -hmm. played by Paula Patton. And she asks about her date. And Leslie's like, Yeah, he basically told me that I'm the perfect homegirl. And Morgan is like, Well, you do kind of give off like homegirl energy. 
And Leslie's like, well, I'm just trying to be my regular self. But Morgan says, well, don't do that. You can't show your regular self until you've been married for like five years. Don't listen to her. Don't listen to a thing this woman says. (laughs) So what Morgan has spent her evening doing is researching, you know, the wags, the wives and girlfriends of Mm -hmm. major league sports players. And she talks about how they have these brand, like they've created themselves into a brand and they can have like clothing lines or perfume lines. And she has a whole like vision board of all these wags that she aspires to be like. Yeah. And she's like, you know, I'm almost 30. I have to start thinking about my future. And I think that Morgan is a, is an interesting character because it's, it's quite easy to write her off as like a villain, villain. Obviously she does some like pretty, deplorable things Mm -hmm. throughout this movie but i do think that morgan if we look a little bit below the surface she is somebody who probably for her like entire life has been told that her only like worth and currency and cachet is her beauty and sexuality for sure so i can understand why she would think that that is the only thing she can use to gain any sort of success in her life Mm -hmm. or the only thing she can really aspire to be is on the arm of a wealthy man because of her beauty. Definitely. And we also, although there are things she's not honest about, Mm -hmm. there's also definitely something going on with, like, her upbringing. Like, she was abandoned. Yeah. In Well, her she says later on, like, her mom passed away and her father left. And it's pretty clear from the get that um, Leslie and Leslie's parents are her family yeah that they like took her in and definitely and she stays with leslie like leslie just lets her stay at her place because like she is out of job and yeah yeah and ultimately there is clearly a very strong bond between leslie and morgan yeah like there are certain times in the movie where they don't have that as tight of a bond like they aren't like talking as much but there's never a moment where they're like actually anger at each other except when morgan kind of does something that's really bad yeah but for the most part they like very much forgive each other and they like don't hold grudges against one another which i appreciate yeah the familial bond is very strongly established yeah so leslie asks if this future involves anything like getting a job because she currently is crashing in leslie's guest room her bmw got repossessed because she stopped making the payments and morgan just kind of like brushes Mm. this off and we change subjects leslie asks if she's still coming to the game with her tomorrow and morgan says yeah i'm already working on my outfit you know you need good bait to catch a fish and then leslie like kind of looks at her dress and like adjusts it she's like wow i must be fishing in the wrong river then (sighs) So the next day, Leslie comes downstairs as her mom is deciding on a new paint color. And she sees her outfit. She's wearing a jersey and jeans. And she looks so cute. I think it looks cute. And her mom is like, how are you supposed to get a man dressed like that? And it does remind – well, I'll finish the scene, but I have an anecdote. Mm -hmm. Her dad is in the kitchen working on another project. And Leslie's like, we agreed that a plumber – was going to handle the new faucets. And I'm like, Jesus Cristo, adios mio. Like, put the the plumbing down. (laughs) And he asks, why waste money on a plumber 
when I've got it under control. And I'm like, because you don't, Pops. Yeah. Because you don't. I've seen this before. (laughs) (laughs) We all have our limits when it comes to home renovation. Yeah. And And I say, if you're not a plumbing specialist, don't do that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So her mom brings in Morgan, who's basically dressed for like a hot day date and is like, this is how you should be dressed. And Morgan says she told Leslie to wear a dress and Leslie is like, to a basketball game? (laughs) And let me tell you, so I've been to plenty of basketball games. Mm -hmm. Like, I really, I actually, like, went to a Nets game this month, I think, at the beginning of the month. Mm -hmm. So, like, I've never really dressed up. Like, I put on, like, makeup or, like, a nice outfit before. But, like, unless you you are on floor seats, like, the players don't see you. Yeah. So there's really no point in trying to, like, bag – an NBA player. Yeah, unless you're courtside. So, yes. But when I went to the Connecticut Sun WNBA game, mm. we were actually, like, um, not on the floor, but, like, two rows back. Like, like we could see the yeah. player. We were right behind their bench. And I did wear a skirt and, like, heels yeah. and, like, a nice top. And I was like, eat. Like, Ooh. I'm, like, right in the action. Yeah. Like, hello. And... My brother literally was like, why are you wearing a dress to a basketball <laughs> You're like, mind your business. Yeah. I'm trying to find a wife. Don't worry I'm gonna about it. Because rich. Because <laughs> I'm going to be rich in 0. 0.5 seconds. Uh, yeah. So we go to the IZOD Center. R.I.P. Mm-hmm. She is no longer. Uh, it's now Medellin's Arena. But the Nets are playing. They had their final game there, according to Mo's uh, expert intel in the spring of 2012. Yes. And <laughs> you know what? Do you want to just – do you want to take this part? Do you want to take the basketball part? Um, sure. I yeah. don't know why I was like <laughs> chimping out. I'm like, the New Jersey Nets are up by 10. But so basically we go to the game. First of all, like they are at the Isod Center. I don't know if you just said this. Yeah, but like yeah. it doesn't exist – Take it out of your brain. Yeah. <laughs> um, basically, what happened was, like, there was the Izod Center, and then there was another – I don't know if it was MetLife or if it was just, like, another – like, in addition to MetLife, it was Izod and something else. Yeah. But, like, there was too much competition between the venues, so they were like, okay, we're just going to do, like, concerts and stuff like that at one and then sports at the other. But, like, yeah. basically, there was too much competition, so they ended up um, changing it and also, like, the Nats straight up moved to Brooklyn – Go Brooklyn. Yeah. Nets. But we're at the game. The New Jersey Nets are up by 10. They're competing against the Orlando Magic. So the announcers and these announcers also are definitely people who do commentary in real life. Mm-hmm. But I am not familiar with them, to be honest. But I'm pretty sure that they are like famous regular announcers. Yeah. They got a lot of like real basketball people in this movie, which was yeah. crazy. Specifically, Dwight Howard and Dwayne Wade, um, they like have multiple cameos in the and film. Multiple and lives. Like, Those are huge. Like they have scenes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dwight Howard like talks to Common. Like like they're close buds. Yeah. So the announcer talks about how the Nets star point guard Scott McKnight is responsible for their success. He's been on the team for like around a decade. 
we see him make a basket and he gets a free throw because there's like a foul on the the magic side. And Leslie is just super into the game. Scott McKnight makes the free throw. He's on an 11 point streak, which means he's gone 11 points without the other team scoring any points. So he's just like, bam, bam, bam. And Dwight Howard, who is on the magic, he has 12 rebounds, which means during the game, he has successfully gotten the ball back to his team's side 12 times mm. when the Nets had it. So, like, he's having a good game. Like, it's a, it sounds like it's a pretty interesting game. Yeah. They're, you know, competing. And uh, Dwight Howard, just so you know, ended up bringing the magic to the 2009 NBA Finals, like, great player. Mm. Meanwhile... Morgan is scoping out the wag section in the stadium and admiring one of the ladies' handbags. So that's where her focus is. Yeah. Some guy in the stands. And when I tell you they are surrounded by Magic fans, it's like Leslie and Morgan and then all just a sea of blue. Yeah. And this guy is like, McKnight isn't going to make that shot. But then Leslie stands up and she's like, hold on, I'm getting a call and it's long distance. And he makes the shot and the guy is like, shut up. But Leslie's like, oh, I'm getting a call from President Obama. He wants to spend some money on defense. (laughs) And that was a really good one. Mm -hmm. The Nets end up winning the game. Leslie is ecstatic and she tells Morgan... We should get out of here before we get killed. Yeah. <laughs> so it's going to be a mob. Yeah. So after the game, ESPN is talking to Scott McKnight about his, you know, almost a decade career with the Nets, the only team he's ever played for. So what are your plans when your contract expires this year? And he says, well, I prove myself every night on the court and hopefully the front office knows how much I'm worth. And I'm like, that seems like kind of a bold thing to say to the press. Why do you think it's bold? Well, just to like, I don't know, like address your bosses. Be like, Mm. I hope you fucking know what I'm worth, bitch, (laughs) on the news. Seems like audacious, but I guess maybe people do that in sports. I guess I don't know the proper etiquette, but like worse things have been said. Yeah, I I can imagine. So, yeah. But I do think it is weird that if they were going to resign him, they haven't made that clear to him. So that is like weird to me. So I could see him saying something like that. But any any publicists out there, anyone who knows the know, please let us know. Yeah. So after this interview, his agent comes up. He's like, that was great. You know, you're going to start a bidding war soon. But Scott says he doesn't want a bidding war. He just wants to stay with the Nets. Red and blue runs through my veins, he says. That's so crazy. And his agent's like, yeah, yeah, I know. You know, you've been saying that since the day that they drafted you. And we also have like a little aside, some foreshadowing, you know, some uh, exposition for later that All-Star Weekend is coming up. So Mm -hmm. keep that in your back pocket for later. Yeah, it's actually very well-timed because um, All-Star Weekend is coming up soon. Oh, my gosh. Look at that. In real life. (laughs) I would have thought. (laughs) So as Leslie and Morgan are leaving the Aslod Center, some of Morgan's 
girlfriends meet up with them. They're like, oh, there's going to be like a birthday party for Scott at his house next Saturday. Like one of our friends has the hookup. We're going to go meet her at the Warwick Hotel. Do you want to come? And Morgan is like, yes, please. And Leslie's like, you go ahead. You do your thing. I am heading home. It's not her scene. She's not into the the WAGs partying scene because she's not like the other girlies. Right. She's like, I liked my experience watching. Yeah. And now I'm going to go home. (laughs) Yeah. There are like several incidences where this movie can can veer kind of close to like, I'm not like other girls. But Leslie is never judgmental Mm -hmm. or puts down like women who are more feminine presenting than she is, Mm -hmm. which saves it, in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. She's just like, oh, it's not my thing, but like you do you. Yeah. So Leslie does what any normal person who owns a car does. She goes to the gas station Mm -hmm. to fill up her tank. And I was confused because if anyone here has ever driven to Jersey, they pump your gas for you. So when did that start? Because they're they're pumping their own gas. (laughs) Yeah. McKnight actually pulls up into the gas station. He's on the phone with someone and he's like talking about being involved with this charity and needing to actually meet with the kids. Like he's like, that's what it's all about. And then he gets out of his car, but he doesn't know how to open the gas tank. So Leslie starts walking over. She opens it. She's like, yeah, these fancy cars don't usually have a gas button. Like you just kind of open it up. But she also suggests to turn the car around. And it's very clear this is like a new car for him. Like he's not very, he's not really like a fancy kind of guy who needs the newest car, Mm -hmm. the newest whatever. At least that's what it's setting the scene for. Yeah. He's down to earth. He's just, you know, your regular Joe. Yeah. With a, you know, $300,000 car. (laughs) Right, 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 right. So he thanks her and she tells him, oh my God, I just got chills. Not because of the movie. (laughs) Um, (laughs) He thanks her. Oh my God. (laughs) The bar is on the floor. (laughs) Yeah, right. So he thanks her and she tells him he can thank her by winning the championship. Mm. And I would say the same thing. (laughs) And then he realizes, like, oh, you're a diehard Nets fan. And she's like, red and blue runs through my veins. She's like, I'm a Jersey girl. I have to represent. And Leslie decides to take a plunge. Oh, my God. You can see it. The story is, like, written on Queen Latifah's face. Yeah. And you can tell she's, like, about to go back to her car. But she's like, no, I'm going to shoot my shot and she's like not to be nosy but i saw a joni mitchell cd on your seat and this is why you should always be nosy because look what it gets you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he goes yeah i love joni mitchell but jazz is like really my passion and she mentions a joni mitchell song with the charles mingus and he's like oh i love that one then mcknight offers to open her door for her he's just like for no other reason than to be, like, a kind individual, like, is, like, let me open your door for you. In a world of boys, he's a gentleman. gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie is shook. Then she's, like, no, then he asks her. He's, like, hey, do you have any plans for Saturday night? Bam. Invited. Wow. To the party. I love this meet cue. I think it's so charming. Mm-hmm. And I love how Leslie 
like she's obviously excited to see him but the way that she interacts with him she's not acting starstruck at all like she's just you know excited to meet this person that she admires but talks to him like a normal guy like they're just kind of shooting the shit about the nets it's like it feels very natural the chemistry is very natural he is immediately drawn to her and intrigued by her um it just has it 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 nails the meat cute it's the perfect recipe absolutely and i love the fact that they're alone when they meet each other because it just makes it all the more substantial like their meet cute isn't just like they look into each other's eyes they're like oh my god that's my soulmate it's like oh we have things in common like she says something that he had said about himself earlier in the film like red and blue runs through my veins like they like the same music it's ah chef's kiss yeah i think that this movie does a really good job of showing us why like these two individuals fall Mm -hmm. for each other because i find that a lot of rom-coms like don't do that they kind of use like outside forces like oh but they're with someone that sucks and this person's better or like all that kind of bullshit but no this one this movie shows that they have like certain things in common they have similar like views and attitudes and it all just like lines up really nicely. Definitely. So the next day, Leslie is painting her new house. Morgan is like, oh, yeah, I'm a little hungover. I wasn't expecting to stay out so late. But then we got invited out and like this DJ was playing and like I don't eat in public. So now I'm starving. <laughs> <sighs> that is so I understand that when you're in your 20s, mm-hmm. you do things that might be a little delusional. Right. I've done things that might be a little delusional, right? Like mm-hmm. not eating in front of people or like being paranoid about certain things. But when you're like 30 years old, like you kind of get – you got to get over certain things. Yeah. You got to be able to poop in public, all right? If the if the situation arises and it's necessary, like you got to do it. Yeah. You, you know, you got to eat in front of people. Obviously, if there's, like, a greater psychological thing going on, like, that's something to figure out with your therapist. But for the most part, like, no one cares. Yeah. And you just have to realize that, like, nobody is thinking about you as much as you're thinking about you. Right. Because they're thinking about themselves. (laughs) Especially in – I mean, I guess they're in Jersey, but, like, especially in New York. Yeah. If you think anyone notices you, you're wrong. Yes, again. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So Leslie asks if Morgan had any, you know, progress with getting into that party on Saturday night. And she's like, no, I'll just be here painting with you on Saturday. And Leslie says, well, that's too bad because if you're at this house, then you won't be at, flashes her phone, this house. Because she was personally invited by Scott McKnight to his birthday party. Yeah. So Morgan is freaking out and asks how Leslie explains the whole gas station meeting. And when Morgan asks what he was like, Leslie says that he was different than she expected. You know, he was cool. He was nice. He was beyond nice. And a gentleman, just like a really, really sweet guy. And, you know, you can see Leslie kind of reckoning with the fact like, ooh, maybe I do have a little bit of a crush on this man. Like we shared a bit of a moment. And Morgan asks, wait, do you have like feelings for him? And this is (sighs) such a hard moment. Yeah. 
this is such a hard moment because it's like, do you be cool or do you speak up and do you say, you know what? I feel like we kind of had a spark Mm -hmm. and I want to see what happens. Yeah. And this is where it all goes downhill. Yeah. Because you, I can, I can see, especially if you've, you know, met a, a celebrity, a famous person and you feel like you had a spark, but there is definitely like, you know, there's a power difference there. So you don't want to be like, yeah, he was this this famous whoever was feeling me. Like you don't want to sure. necessarily let yourself go there because like what if it was all in your head and it, it wasn't mm-hmm. anything and then nothing happens and then you're like, wow, I'm embarrassed. So yeah, I too would probably be like, no, no. Yeah. It's, it wasn't like that but in my head. I'm like like banging against yeah. the cages like a crazy person. I would I would totally be like, yeah, we had a spark. Yeah. Don't talk to him. <laughs> Don't come. Stay home. <laughs> Actually stay home. Yeah. Uh, no. Well, it was funny because I was like, oh, I'm a narcissist because when she <laughs> talks to Morgan and she's like, oh, that's too bad because if you're staying at this house, you won't be going to this house. And I would have been like, oh, well, while you were out partying. Yeah. I met Scott McKnight and got an invite. Would you like to come? Like, I would have been so bitchy and coy about it. <laughs> yeah. But, like, still would have invited her and everything. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah. she No, she is really, like, Leslie is just, like, a non-competitive girl. Yeah. Um, but also that non-competitiveness or, like, I guess in this case more of a lack of confidence in, like, her desirability. Right kind of shoots her in the foot yeah because yeah she she does tell morgan like no i don't i don't do famous guys i just like regular guys Mm -hmm. so but honestly i think even if she did say that she was feeling him i don't know if morgan would have respected that either i don't know i like to think she would but i really don't know yeah who's to say so that saturday Morgan does Leslie's makeup and they're getting ready for the party when Leslie's mom comes in and she tells her like you're gonna find a husband tonight and she says that she bagged her dad 36 years ago and he still can't believe his luck then she takes out this gorgeous pair of diamond earrings that is like a family heirloom she says that her mother wore them when she met her grandfather And she wore them the night she met Leslie's father. And she tells her that men will be falling at her feet when she wears these. And then just like twists the knife and goes, oh, but Leslie, I know you don't like these flashy things, but I want one of you to wear them. So, hey, Morgan. And you can just see Leslie's face absolutely drop. And I'm like, because her mom is a good mom like Mm -hmm. she clearly loves her but you have to at least offer it to your daughter before you offer it to not your daughter like you gotta just check with her first be like morgan or sorry be like leslie i know you don't usually like flashy jewelry but i was wondering if tonight you would want to wear it and if she goes no then maybe ask morgan but like yeah it's it's such a it's such a hit to her confidence because 
Morgan is just on her makeup and she's looking in the mirror and she's really like feeling herself and feeling beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then to have your mother basically tell you without telling you that she doesn't think that you have a shot of meeting your husband, but Morgan does, and that's why she's giving her the earrings. Punch in the gut. Absolutely brutal. And I mean, Queen Latifah sells this beautifully. It's absolutely heartbreaking to see this like shattering moment in her eyes. Of course, Morgan is like, I would love to wear those diamond earrings, love diamonds. Mm. And she asks how they look, but Leslie just – she doesn't say anything negative, but she's like, I'm going to go get dressed. And Morgan is like, make sure you wear a dress. Yeah. Just adding salt on the wound. Yeah. So as they are walking to Leslie's jalopy, we see Mr. Wright buffing out his car And he tells Leslie how amazing she looks and also gives her the keys to his, like, very nice car and says, watch the potholes and don't break too many hearts. And the girls are very thrilled. They get to ride in style tonight. And Leslie just looks at her dad and says, maybe one or two. Mm -hmm. I love this car. So, Oh, yeah. And then off they go to Scott's party. Yes. And... Canonically, as we mentioned before, on the corner of Grand, on the corner of Grand Central Terminal, <laughs> on the corner of Central Park, yeah. sits Scott McKnight's mansion. Mm-hmm. They roll up. There's a valet. First of all, yeah, like parking cars. I'm like, where are those even being parked? Right. Does but, he own a parking lot? <laughs> I know exactly. Great passive income. Gotta say. Right. <laughs> Does he own laundromats, barber shops? Mm. But. They arrive, and this is just the most beautiful – I don't even know what to call it. Like, I don't know if it would be – it's a mansion, like, full out. It's – I'm assuming he lives in, like, the penthouse. Or no, is he on the ground floor? Oh, yeah, no, no. It's like a ground floor. I think he owns the whole building. Yeah. Crazy. But it's not, like, a brownstone or a townhouse. It's, like, a whole – it is literally, like, Gilded Ages, like, how the family – the super rich family, they have, like, just the whole yeah. basically corner lot. Like, it's a whole right. big-ass thing. So a gorgeous place. There are stained glass windows. The interior is immaculately decorated. Yeah. Very, very nice. And we go to the main room where Nelson, Scott's agent, is making a toast about how a lot of people get rich and they change, but – Scott is his same best friend on and off the court, and they cheers to him. And then Morgan decides to go explore. And Leslie's like, okay, I'll meet you like at the bar across the way. So she goes to get a drink, and she actually gets champagne. You can tell she's kind of like excited to be at this party. It's not something she normally does. So then Scott comes up to Leslie and he's like, I'm glad to see you made it. And I'm oh like, Oh my God. She, Leslie is glowing. Mm-hmm. She's so excited. And she gives him a card and he tells her she looks great. So, like, not only did she come, like, bring her presents, but she also brought a birthday card. Yeah. How thoughtful. And he, at his birthday party, you know, filled to the brim with people. Maybe he's known for years, for whatever. Years. He's like, mm-hmm. Let me seek out. This beautiful woman that I met at the gas station. Right. And tell her how beautiful she is. 
Is that a coincidence? I think not. (laughs) Right, right. So Leslie thanks him. She tells him that he looks great too and that this house is really beautiful. And he says that a lot of people made it happen. You know, if it were up to him, it would have just been futons and flat screens in every room. So again, he's a more down-to-earth, modest kind of guy. She says that it's a palace compared to her place and tells him that she just bought this fixer-upper and her dad is helping renovate it, but, like, he's not the most handyman. (laughs) And they're, like, sharing a little giggle. Everything is going great. But then Morgan decides to interrupt this beautiful moment. And she's like, oh, my God, Leslie, I I have to go. I just got a call from Safe Horizons and they need me. I'm like, what are you fucking babbling on about? She's like, what? <laughs> so <laughs> she's like, uh, Scott, this is my god sister, Morgan. We grew up together. And Scott's like, well, no, you can't leave. And Morgan's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Scott, is it? Um, <laughs> kidding. <laughs> I, that part infuriated. Scott, is it? I'm sorry. Oh what, my god. What is Do you name? play for the uh, Steve? Brooklyn Knicks? Jets? The Nets? <laughs> the Knicks? I don't know. It's just not my scene. Uh, so she's like, yeah, you know, there's this homeless shelter that I volunteer at and somebody called in sick, so they need me to go in. I'm like, yeah, they desperately need you at 9 p.m. on a Saturday. On a Saturday, night. yeah. Yeah. To, like, play – she's like, and bring some toys to play with the kids. It's like, bitch, what are you on about? The kids are asleep. Mm-hmm. So Leslie then turns to the bartender and she's like, actually, instead of the champagne, can I go for a Hennessy double, please, on the rocks? <laughs> so – Can I get an IV to make me forget this happened? <laughs> yeah. Can I get a lobotomy so that I don't even remember whether I'm here? So Scott, unfortunately – a little bit of a dummy, and he does a little bit fall for the bait. Mm-hmm. He is like, "Oh, you volunteer? I I actually volunteer with kids as well. You know, I I wish I had more time to do it though." Yeah. So Morgan tells Leslie that she needs to stop back at the house to get some games for the kids, and Scott is like, "Oh, you two live together?" And Morgan's like, "Oh, it's a long story." I'm like, "The story is she doesn't have a job." Yeah. And Scott's like, "But how can I get in touch with you?" And she tells him, Scott, like, I've tried the whole dating a ball player thing, and it's not for me. Leslie, are you ready to go? Leslie's like, ready to go. go. (laughs) Yeah. But she, like, (sighs) she has no choice. She does have a choice, but, like. It's either rat out her friend or or her cousin and then, or leave, you know? Those are the only options. right. And as they head out, she thanks Scott for inviting them to his birthday, and he tells them to get home safe. I would be so furious if somebody did this to me. Like, if I brought them to a famous person's birthday party. Yeah. Even if I, like, you know, didn't have a crush on them like Leslie does, and they dragged me away as some ruse to get the guy to fall in love with them, I'd be like, you couldn't have thought of any other way that wouldn't require me also leaving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to mm-hmm. enjoy the party. I know. I know. Selfish. So outside of the mansion, Leslie tells Morgan that she owes her and is like, what the hell is up with this homeless shelter BS? And Morgan is like, well, you said he was different, so I gave him different. And she's like, you know what? I'm bagging this one. I can feel it. And Leslie is like, well, how? You didn't even give him your number. 
And Morgan says, yeah, that's probably the first time that a woman has done that since he got to the NBA. So don't worry. I will be hearing from him. Like, Miss Girl has read so many fan fictions because this is how it always plays out. Well, this whole movie is, like, very – it's a little bit Wattpad coded to me where it's like, wow, chance encounter with a famous man and then he falls in love with you because you're not like the other girls and you don't treat Mm -hmm. him like he's famous and he loves that because everyone treats him like he's famous. (laughs) Like, it's that whole thing. Um, But, yeah. The amount of times that I, as a teenager, was like, wow, what if I, like, met Harry Styles and just, like, pretended to not know who he was? Would he fall in love with me? Right. No, I think he likes when people know who he is. Probably. (laughs) I think most famous people do. Yeah. My So my roommate, she used to work at this, like, very, very schmancy hotel. Mm -hmm. And whenever famous people came to stay, everybody in the hotel would get, like, a brief about them and how, like, they wish to be treated. And I can't remember who it was. But their brief said, show me you know me. So, like, they wanted the hotel staff to, like, fawn over oh them and, like, God. you know, address them as their famous persona. I wonder who said that. I wonder if that was directly from the star or if that was his team being, like, we know right. that they like being recognized. Yeah, I'm so curious. But, like, when <laughs> came to stay, it was very, like, pretend you don't know who she is, treat her normal. Oh, she likes to be, like, I'm actually normal, but I'm, like... Girl, yeah. everyone knows who you are. Yeah. <laughs> was staying there for a bit. So, like, all these. That's hot. Yeah. There was a celebrity that came in to my place of work yeah. the other day. I was there. And I was like, how do I keep it together? Did you Did you see him? Did you meet him? I did. <gasps> yeah. I didn't meet him. Um, But he was, like, all up in where I was working. Yeah. So, like, I passed by. I had to say excuse me at one point because I was, like, in a, in a, a in an appointment and I had to pass by him yeah. and stuff. But I was just, like, oh, my God. And he was super nice yeah. and respectful. Like, everyone who he met was, like, he was so nice and, and just, like, super kind. Yeah. But I was, like, starstruck. <laughs> but then again, starstruck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just singing the Sterling Knight song. Yeah. But we were told – the point of me saying this is the fact that our boss told us before he got there, mm-hmm. which I did appreciate. Like, she goes, we are having a very big celebrity yeah. <laughs> come by today. Mm-hmm. So I just need you all to, like, not take pictures. Yeah. Don't, like – like, you know, they're coming here to do something, mm-hmm. like, fun. Like, they don't want to be – they don't need to be, like, a famous person right now. Yeah. Right? Like – so um, we're all like, okay, like totally. But it was incredible. Yeah. Seeing him in real life. I was like, this is amazing. Wow. Is he tall? He's pretty tall. I think he's at least six feet. Like he's definitely, he looks like my brother, so I mm. like six two, whatever. Um, and he looks pretty fit yeah. as well. Like he's definitely, I wasn't, I never thought he was like super attractive, but like seeing him in person, he looks like way better than in photos mm. imo that's what you want it to be you want to look better yeah. in real life than on screen mm-hmm. yeah i've never had any famous people come into my work i've seen like people who are famous on like tiktok coming to my work oh really like at the restaurant like one girl that i actually follow so i was like oh that's wild but i knew she lived in toronto so i'm not surprised but yeah yeah but if any 
movie stars or musicians want to come in for a little snack and a drink while I'm working, <laughs> please do. I would love that. <laughs> right. Um. Anyways. <laughs> where are we? What are we talking about? The next What's morning. <laughs> the following morning, Leslie comes down the stairs and her father is finishing installing new windows. And she tells him that he was right. Like, the windows do make a huge difference. And the house that she bought, even though it's a fixer-upper, it's, like, very nice. Yeah. Um, it's, like, very much, like, you know, putting up a new coat of paint, like, changing out the windows. It's not, like, we're breaking down the walls. Yeah. We got to redo, like, the termite damage. It's not like that. Yeah. So she, like, is enjoying this beautiful natural light. And he asks her how last night went. She doesn't say anything. And he tells her that he's like, oh, the prince saw you and bam. And Leslie is like, the prince saw Morgan and forgot I was there. But I'm used to it. You know, she's beautiful. And her dad tells her that she's beautiful. But Leslie tells her that's why all the really great guys think I'm the perfect friend. I love her dad in this movie. He's so sweet and very supportive of her and just, like, tries to make her understand how special she is every time. Yeah. And I love that. Me too. And he tells her it'll happen. She just needs to give it time. And Leslie's like, I'm 35. When am I going to meet that one amazing guy who thinks I'm the one woman he can't live without? And I'm like, isn't that the question? Yeah. You know? Yeah. We see Scott's car then drive up to the house, and Leslie's father tells her he's out there, and she tells him when he finds him, make sure he has all of his teeth. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. ha ha ha. So Leslie goes outside, and who is walking up to her but Scott McKnight? He is relieved that he has the correct address. Again, cute if you like the guy, creepy if you don't. Right. <laughs> so... Uh, Mr. Wright comes out, he meets Scott, and like he is quite starstruck. And Scott is, of course, here to see Morgan. So they invite him in. Mr. Wright like quickly takes the plastic off the couch, and Leslie is calling down for Morgan. Morgan is like passed out, drooling on a pillow in a twin-size bed when she looks outside and sees like Scott's car. So she's like, oh shit, my gentleman caller is here. <laughs> so meanwhile. Scott, Leslie, Mr. Ray are kind of making some small talk downstairs about how they've been renovating the house. So Morgan, meanwhile, is in a mad dash upstairs trying to, like, pull her lashes off her cheek and, like, brush her hair, trying to look somewhat decent. There's something about this that pisses me off so much, and I will <laughs> yeah. – I'm going to mention it when we get there. Yeah. Leslie is calling down for Morgan – And Scott notices that she has some physical therapy books laying out. And she mentions what her job is. And he says that she must be really good because she's like the chief physical therapist. And she says that she's been doing it for 12 years. And she likes to stay up to date on the latest information. So that's why she has the books. And I'm like, again, just a lovely little layer that shows us that she doesn't have – like, yeah, she's good at what she does and she's confident, but she doesn't mm-hmm. have an ego about it and she's always learning and bettering herself, mm-hmm. which I love. She's very smart. She's very successful. Yeah. She's just not famous. Yeah. But she's, like, in her field, very successful. Exactly. 
So finally, Morgan comes downstairs, like full blowout. This <laughs> makes me so mad because she doesn't come downstairs like, yeah, I've been up for hours. She comes downstairs pretending like she woke up looking perfect, just like in Gilmore Girls mm-hmm. when the pinks or whatever the they're puffs. called, the puffs yeah. take out Rory and Paris Geller and the new puffs mm-hmm. to inaugurate them and Rory, obviously her mom, like, tells her, like, hey, put on some lip gloss and cute pajamas. No one is looking out for Paris. No one. And she looks like absolute dog shit. Yeah. And, like, her mouth headgear and... um, Full retainer. Pimple cream and everything. And that's what infuriates me about this. Yeah. She's like, oh, she's like yawning. She's like, oh, Scott, like, (laughs) what are you doing here? What time is it? Yeah. So he says that even though they only spoke for a few seconds, he had to see her again. And Leslie, all Leslie can do is like scoff at this performance. She's like, all right, I'm going to work. See you later. So she leaves. Scott asks Morgan out to dinner, but she's like, Scott, I told you I've done this before. Like, I'm not going to date a basketball player again. And he was like, well, no, it'll be different because it'll be with me. And she's like, are you sure? And he's like, come on, like, Leslie knows me. She'll vouch for me. I'm a perfect gentleman. And Morgan's like, "Mm, just dinner. And he's like, yeah, just dinner. Mm, My God. Just dinner. (laughs) Dating a montage. Scott and Morgan go out to dinner. Now they're out to dinner with friends. They've been dating for months. Scott is playing games. Morgan is watching from the WAG section. Morgan is crossing the street with him wearing Christian Louboutin uh, high heels, being photographed by paparazzi. They're out dancing. They're dancing the night away. Scott is playing basketball. Morgan is cheering him on. Leslie is at the rehab center and, oh, what's that? Morgan is in the magazine that she's reading Yeah, with her new BF Scott. Fully, fully Whirlwind famous. Whirlwind romance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Scott is hosting like a little party. I can't remember what this party – it's like a congratulatory party for him. But I don't know if they actually say what it's for. It is because he is the captain of the East team – in the all-star game Uh, i'm pretty sure there we go leslie arrives apparently it's been like three months since morgan and leslie have seen each other because of this Mm -hmm. whirlwind romance morgan also has like a cutie little bob um which again is like really influencing me to cut my hair again but i need to not make rash decisions based off of films (laughs) yeah i guess (laughs) So, but yeah, apparently the reason that she cut her hair is because Scott hates weaves. Which I thought was like an interesting Yeah, interesting little thing comment. that they just threw in there. But I guess it's supposed to be like, oh, he like he likes a girl who's like natural and down to earth, I think is like the implication. Which Yeah, but it's kind of icky. Yeah. There are definitely some icky things about Scott in this movie. Oh yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. So she gives Leslie a tour of the house. And, you know, Leslie makes a comment about how it's like she's been on tour playing for the Nets. And she's like, well, you know, I have to stay close to my man. Like these women out here are treacherous. So she ends up showing her the master bedroom and says that this is where they want to put a nursery. And Leslie is like, the fuck? Are you pregnant? (laughs) 
But Morgan is like, no, no, but we want to start a family like as soon as possible. Like it's been three months. That's crazy. Um, Yeah. And Leslie, of course, clocks this and is like, you've been with Scott for like three seconds. And Morgan is like, yeah, but I'm in love. You know, that's what people do when they, when they fall in love, they start a family. And she, Leslie doesn't buy it because she knows this girl very well. Right. But Morgan is like, no, Scott has changed me. He, he makes me want to be a better person. You know, I went after him for all the wrong reasons, but then he got into my heart. And this Leslie does buy. She's like, wow. Okay. I bought that too. Yeah. Because she's, Leslie's like, you're talking to me like you can be truthful. Yeah. And she's like, you know, he got to my heart and he does seem like the type. Yeah, like you could easily fall in love with him. Right. And also yeah. like the type to be like, we need to volunteer and we need to like be good people. And like that's very important to him. Yeah. Um, yeah so I bought it too. Yeah. Turns out we we're both dumb. <laughs> but Le- yeah, Leslie's very happy for her. She's like, I'm, I'm really, really glad that you got like this relationship that you always wanted. So Morgan continues the tour, and in the hallway, they, like, come upon this room, and Morgan's like, yeah, I don't know what's back there, but I hope it's not anything weird. Like, Scott doesn't let me go back there to secret room. And I was like, what? I was like, what in the Fifty Shades am I about to see? Right, right. <laughs> but it it turns out later on, it's just his grand piano. Yeah, it's just his, his Steinway. Steinway. Jesus Christ. <laughs> right. So... They go back to the main party, and Scott asks for everyone's attention, and they – oh, yeah. So he thanks everyone for coming there out to, you know, celebrate him repping the East in the All-Star game. And I wrote, okay, Mrs. Huxtable, because we have Felicia Brashad yeah. just hanging out. And he tells the group he has a lot to be thankful for, you know, his friends, his mother, and the cherry on top – Morgan, and he says, with everyone here, what better time to ask the one I love gets down on one knee, proposes. And before he even finishes the sentence, she just goes, yes, yes, yes. And like he has that Cartier box open with a big Mm. old diamond. And as they hug after the proposal, you can see her just admiring the ring and Scott's mom does not seem thrilled. Yeah. She does then go to, like, confront her son <laughs> about what he's just done. So she is, like, sitting with him on the stairs. And he's like, I know, I know. I should have told you before. And she's like, are you sure that you're not moving too fast? But Scott says, no, mom. Like, she's different. You know, you don't need to worry so much. Like, I got this. I'm like, do you? do you (laughs) but i did appreciate when she goes up to him he's like yeah i should have told you like i'm sorry about that but he she's like you know what you're an adult and i'm not gonna tell you like what you shouldn't shouldn't do it i'm just a little concerned because it's a new relationship yeah and i think at a certain age like if your parents are still telling you what to do and you're like end 20s 30s like you got to yeah. set some boundaries. Yeah. You know? You have to be your own person. Totally. My parents will 
express their opinions on certain things, but they won't say, like, no, you can't do that. Like, they're like, you know, you have your life. You have to make your decisions. Yeah. So I appreciate that about her. Mm -hmm. I think she's a very level-headed woman. And the fact that later on Morgan calls her a pill. Yeah, that bothers more about Morgan. Bothers the shit out of me. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So we go to the All-Star game. We see all the different players, all the real-life players, such as Dwight Mm -hmm. Howard. And by the end of the fourth quarter, the East is up by 12 points. So the announcers are talking about what a phenomenal night Scott is having. You know, he's got 26 points, eight assists, four steals. Scott is dribbling that ball, trying to get to the paint. Which now I know what that is. (laughs) When out of nowhere, he injures his knee, falls to the ground, Mm -hmm. shock, Mm -hmm. awe, gasps everywhere. It is insane to be watching a game and see someone get injured. Yeah. It's just like incredibly scary. So we go to the hospital and the doctor tells Scott he has a torn posterior cruciate ligament And he tells them with hard work and some luck, they'll have him back by training camp. But his agent is like, whoa, doctor, like we're in negotiations. He needs to be ready for the playoffs. And there's another man. I literally don't know who this man is. I can tell you who it is. Who is it? So that's that's the the coach. He's supposed to be the coach. But in real life, he was the assistant coach. And they had a cameo from the real coach, but the real coach got fired. So they cut all of the real coach's scenes, but you can still see him in the background Dude. of other scenes. Dude, that's so crazy. Yeah. Sometimes coaches be fired. Like the Nets fired their coach like last year. Again. I don't know if he got fired or if he was just like replaced, but yeah. The Nets, the Nets have some problems, dude. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, this is just another like real life member of the Nets Association who they're like, you're going to now act in this scene. That's so crazy. (laughs) I was like very confused. I was like, is this his dad? Like who is this Yeah, they don't introduce him like at all. At all. (laughs) The only reason that I like – because I saw your note about it while I was watching it and that you do see him like rush to his side when he he gets injured. So I was like, oh, he must be the coach. Right. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that's that guy. And (laughs) – He talks to them in the waiting room and he's like, we just need to be prepared for Scott's career to be over. There's just no way to know right now. And we need to start physical therapy immediately and aggressively. Jesus. So later on, Scott and Morgan get back to the house and Nelson, his agent, says that He set up a physical therapist to come to the house, Bella Goldsmith. She is, like, the best in the league. She is a miracle worker, like, extremely lauded. So Mm -hmm. it's good news. However, not good news for Morgan because Bella Goldsmith is a hot blonde woman. And she clearly feels threatened by her. And, like, she comes downstairs and sees Bella, like, working out his knee. And, like, Scott is, like, moaning and groaning. And Morgan's like, hey, honey, like, I have this romantic dinner planned for us. And then afterwards we can do whatever you want. But he is so focused on his rehab. He just kind of is like, yeah, whatever, babe. 
and Morgan goes back upstairs, like watching them together. And clearly she's not comfortable with it, but I'm like, this is literally Mm -hmm. what physical therapy is. Yeah. Her desire to control his life doesn't help her uh, be likable to me. Yeah. (laughs) No, not at all. So later on, Leslie visits Morgan and Morgan tells her about Bella and Leslie's like, Bella Goldsmith is one of the most respected. And she's like, I know, I know people in her field. But she's like, listen, some people have Gadar, but I have Hodar. So the job is all yours. I already cleared it with the nets. He's upstairs. And Morgan walks off. She's like, I have a charity event. That is wild that the nets would approve that. I, I don't know why they included that sentence. Because, like, I'm watching a movie. Like, I don't care. Yeah. But they definitely wouldn't approve it unless... They, like, met with her and... Have examples of her work? Like, has she worked on anyone in this level? Like, an athlete? Yeah. I don't know, Because there's different types of physical therapy, like... For sure. Like, you can go to school for, like, sports science specifically. Like, there's just... Mm -hmm. It's not just a catch-all phrase. (laughs) Right, right. So, I don't know what the logistics here are. But she certainly is you know yeah this is where the plot has led us yes. so before morgan leaves she tells leslie you know by the way scott's mom is here and she's a pill it's because she sees right through you Hmm. so leslie goes upstairs scott is playing nba 2k and she's like whoa 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 hey 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 you need to be elevating your leg especially when you're in the house chilling uh, when you're bored in the house and you're in the house bored, yeah. okay, your leg needs to be elevated. And where is your ice pack? And Scott's like, do you know that the job is full time? It's living. And Leslie's like, yep, I got the all clear from work. You know, I'm taking leave of absence. And she's really like, you know, ready to go. Like Morgan asked her to come in and do this. And she's like, yeah, I'm giving it my all. Like, yeah. this is what I... This is my life's work, you know? Mm-hmm. So Ella comes in with a call from the office, like just the generic The Office, <laughs> asking about a game where Scott broke a bunch of records. And Leslie's just like, oh, are you talking about his like playoff game in high school where he broke like this record and this record? And she knows all the facts and stats. There could have been such a better way to like, <laughs> like- it just feels so contrived to be like, there's a call from the office. What was that game again where you broke, broke all, all the, the records? records? Yeah, it's it's yeah, pretty weird. Could have finessed this moment a little bit better. <laughs> that that moment that beat was off. Yeah. You know? Now we're like, oh, Leslie's a huge basketball fan. Like now everyone is like, yay, la la la, yeah. because they share interests. And then Ella tells her to come to the fan club when she's done. And she's like, do you play Bidwist? And Leslie's like, I'm neighborhood champ, six years running. She says, respectfully, you don't want any of this. Mm. And Ella is immediately endeared by her. And she's like, I like her. But I'm going to have to show you a little something, something. Yeah. I did have to look up what Bidwist was because I had never heard of Same. it before. But it is a card game for those who don't know. Yes. Yeah, I was like, I don't know any card games. No. Like, I, I don't know one. Yeah, like, I don't know how to play poker. I don't know how to play poker. Like, I'm, like, not necessarily, like, interested in gambling, but I want to at least be able to be, like, yeah, I can play a hand of poker. Yeah. I think poker, you just have to get 
What's the game where you have to get to 21? That's is that poker? Blackjack? Blackjack. I don't know how to play that either. That's the one where people are like, you're counting cards. Yeah. That's illegal. Yeah. I'm like, how, what, what does that mean? I don't understand it. <laughs> I know. It means you're actually really good at the game. Yeah. Because you know where all the cards are going. Yeah. I don't know. But anyways. But yeah. So the, the, the whole point of this interaction is just to show that like, oh, yeah, Ella obviously sees right through Morgan because she's a bit of a gold digger. However, she's immediately endeared to Leslie. Okay. So back to the film. We're in the gym. Leslie is doing a session with Scott while Morgan is, you know, doing her little elliptical in the back. Scott is in, like, a lot of pain because, of course, physical therapy after an injury is incredibly painful. But she's like, oh, come on. I've seen you take an elbow from Dwayne. Like, you can't handle a little deep tissue. So she finishes up their session and Scott ends up, like, kind of screaming out in pain. And afterwards, when he tries to get off the table, he ends up falling on the ground. Mm -hmm. But Leslie is there to help him up while Morgan just kind of, like, lightly jogs over and is like, are you okay? doesn't really do anything that was weird to me yeah because i was like that's your husband yeah that's the guy you you claim to want to bear children with yeah you have to help him up if he falls like yeah this is basic like human human interaction you should really do that for anyone but especially your husband So we go to lunch and Leslie goes out to lunch with Paul, her friend who is also a physical therapist, and tells him that she's worried about rehabbing Scott. She feels like she's holding his career in her hands. And then she asks if he got the books that she wanted and he hands her like a huge stack of PT books. So she's like on it. She's doing her research. Then Morgan walks in. Just with a ton of shopping bags. There's like Hermes, St. Laurent. And she's like, I'm sorry. There was traffic and shopping. Morgan orders a glass of champagne. Her uh, desire for like a life of luxury cannot be quenched. Yeah. She needs a glass of bubbly in her hands at every waking moment. Mm -hmm. And that's when she tells them she's going crazy in that house because Scott – won't hang out with her. He's like not having fun. And Paul's like, um, didn't he just tear his PCL? And Morgan tells them that she just had to go out and do a little retail therapy. So it's obvious that she's having a hard time being with him when they're not just like going out, partying, good times, yeah. he's winning, yada yada. Yeah, I I had a feeling – I was like, oh, maybe they're just going to go in the direction of instead of her literally leaving him because he is no longer, like, successful, that maybe she – because obviously she's going to leave him at some point. Like, you can tell Mm -hmm. that that's coming from a mile away. But I thought maybe it would be because, like, he kind of fell into a depression after his injury, which would make sense. And, like, he becomes withdrawn. Very one tree hell. Yeah, like, pulls away from her, but that is not – what happens well i thought that them breaking up might have something to do with her spending all of his money Mm. but that also doesn't happen yeah (laughs) so we go back to scott's mansion where he's just playing with a drone 
as men are wont to do. That is such a guy thing to do. Like, oh, you're flying your drone? Yeah. Just flying your drone around the room? Yeah. But that's when his good buddy, his good friend, Dwight Howard, pops by to check on him, see how he's doing. And Scott's like, you know, the leg is getting better and better every day, thanks to Leslie. And Dwight's like, cool story. I wasn't actually here to talk about your leg. I'm here because I heard a rumor that the Nets aren't planning to re- to resign you. Oop. So Scott and Leslie are taken aback, shocked at this news. But Scott's like, no, like there's no way that's true. I'm always gonna be a net. Don't I'm not even worried about it. Yeah. And he jokes about how like the magic aren't ready for him. And Dwight's like, oh yeah, with all the pizza and chips you're eating, I don't think so. And you know. They kind of brush it off, but it was a very nonchalant way to be like, hey, heard you're getting fired. (laughs) Yeah, I think, I mean, it's funny because Dwight Howard is, you know, a real NBA player Mm -hmm. and he is just cameoing in this movie. And this whole scene between them, he ends almost every sentence with man. Yeah. Which makes me feel like it's very ad-libbed. He's like, yo, man, I, like, came to see how you're doing, man. Yeah. And he comments like, yeah, man, like, just rehabbing, resting my leg. I think he's like, oh, yeah, man, I didn't come here to <laughs> talk about your leg, man. I came here to talk about the not signing you, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they just, like, go back and forth. But I think that they added this in to be, like, he – needs to get better yeah the stakes are high (laughs) right 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 so we go back to the rehabbing and scott is texting while leslie works on his leg and asks if she's heard from morgan like he's been trying to reach her all day and leslie tells him the last time i heard she was shopping then a sports commentary show comes on it's called mike and mike and he's like hey turn that up they start talking about scott and they question the Nets re-signing him because of the risk of having him sit out half the season when he's supposed to be their big franchise player. And Scott is, like, shook. Leslie asks if he's okay. He clearly is not. Yeah. Because now everyone's questioning his health, and it feels less like the focus is him getting better and more like, this is my career-ending injury. Yeah. So that's kind of slapping him in the face. Yeah. And then to make matters worse. This is so crazy. Scott wakes up the next morning with a note on his nightstand, as well as Morgan's Cartier engagement ring. Honestly, shocked that she gave it back. (laughs) Yeah. So there's like these things that she does where she's like, I'm a terrible person, but like also not terrible enough to keep a ring. Right. That was clearly thousands of dollars or like. Not terrible enough to backstab her best friend. Yeah, She's she's a morally gray character for sure, but I don't think that the mm-hmm. movie is trying to posit her necessarily as a villain. No, no, not really. So Ella then runs up the stairs with the note from Morgan. She shows it to Leslie. And she's like, we don't need Morgan or you if you're leaving too. Like, leave now. And Leslie is taken aback. She reads the note in shock. And she says, crazy. I'm leaving, but I will be back. Because she's going to ream Morgan out. 
So she drives home and just storms into the house. Morgan is in her room getting ready for what looks like a date or at least to go out. Like her hair is in curlers. She's wearing this amazing dress. And she's like, have you lost your mind? I take a leave of absence from my job to help your man who you just dumped and you don't even give me a heads up. And Morgan is like, I'm sorry, but you need to consider how I feel. Like, I was just starting to like him. Oh, my God. Crazy. Yeah. They made her so unlikable. Yeah. Like, they they could have stuck – because, again, like in that earlier scene where she's telling Leslie, like, no, really, I did fall for him. Yeah, that was believable. So yeah. for then her to say, like, I was just starting to like him, I'm like, that feels too far. Exactly. If we want to keep her in this morally gray kind of area, that feels too far. Right. So Leslie asks why she did it, and Morgan tells her that she wants to be somebody, and she won't be with a has-been player with a bullshit contract living in a podunk city. And I'm like, sweetie, that's you can't like marry an NBA guy because you might live in a podunk city. Yeah, like that's just the facts. Yeah. So <sighs> Leslie can't believe her and says she can't possibly be this messed up, and Morgan tells her. You do you and I do me, okay? But Leslie says, I've been watching you do you your whole life, using people, hurting them, discarding boyfriends like old shoes. And Morgan says, you know, we can't all be St. Leslie, right? Yeah. Lots of animosity. I wonder if when they were growing up, Morgan felt like she wasn't as smart as Leslie and, like, that's part of where it comes from and, like – yeah. I think she definitely has a little bit of an inferiority complex when it comes to Leslie because Leslie is so smart and successful and financially literate and clearly is – And she's just likable. Yeah, she has a very uh, dynamic personality, whereas, again, Morgan, I think, believes and has been told many times that her only asset is her looks. So – we go to our sad boy, Scott McKnight. He is laying in bed listening to music when Leslie comes into his bedroom and says she's so sorry. But Scott just stops her and says, is this part of your job? Mm-hmm. And she says no. And he says, then just stick to your job. Yeah. So later on, Leslie knocks on Scott's door again. She has a tray of food. But he's just like laying in bed, totally unresponsive. Later on, Ella knocks on his door and she tells him, like, Angela is on the phone um, and Dwayne Wade called twice today, but he's just, like, not interested. I think he turns the volume up on the TV. Yeah. So by this point, Leslie knows something needs to be done. So she busts into his room in the morning and pours a bucket of ice on him, which immediately shocks him awake and says, get up, come with me. She just keeps throwing ice at him until he finally gives in. (laughs) So they leave the house. They get into Leslie's jalopy and he tells her, no disrespect, but I think it's time you get a new whip. And she says, it just needs a little work. That's all. (laughs) In parentheses, like you. (laughs) Yeep. So they go to a basketball court. It's actually the Holcomb-Rucker basketball courts. And I didn't look up where that is. I did look it up. It's quite famous. Is it in Manhattan? Yeah. I think so. 
It's in the bo- at the border of Harlem and the Coogan's Bluff section of Washington Heights. There we go. Very cool. There's a lot of um, like especially in the summer, there are a ton of like pickup games yeah. that happen in New York. I always remember like coming out of the West Fourth Street station. Mm. There's like a basketball court there where guys will be having pickup games and like crowds will actually start to form and like watch the game sometimes yeah so they go to this court and there are a bunch of young men playing basketball and scott tells her that he would practice here for hours hoping that one day and leslie tells him every time she comes to the rucker she is amazed at the raw talent the kids have and no matter how good they are most of them won't make it to the nba But he did. His dream came true. Then the kids notice Scott and they run over to him and they're like, Scott, Scott, we need you back in the league. And Scott tells them he's coming and asks Leslie if she can get him back by the playoffs. And Leslie's like, yeah, we have up to eight weeks, but you're going to hate me by the time I'm done. And the kids get excited, and then Scott tells them to show him some game, some real game. And one of the kids says he's going to dunk on him, and Scott actually cracks a smile. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's back. And Leslie's like, okay, it's time to get to work. So we do get our little therapy montage. Leslie is working her physical therapy magic on Scott. They're doing all types of exercises and drills to get him back into shape. Because, like, once they've healed his knee, then they need to get him back into, like, pro basketball shape, right? Because he's not played in, what, two months? During this montage, we also see all of these really lovely scenes that I so enjoyed that just really develop their relationship and their connection. Very mm-hmm. inconsequential plot-wise, but so, so incredibly crucial to their connection. So I I really appreciate these because in a lesser movie, these just would have been montage with music over it. Yeah. So they're walking through the park and Scott tells Leslie how good she is at this job and she says that it's not often that she gets to combine her love of basketball and physical therapy and he says i think you should do this full time like you could you should take it to the pro level and she kind of like brushes him off and is like oh yeah you know i could see myself hanging around a bunch of hot sweaty guys and laughs (laughs) but he really believes in her and that that she could make a career out of this yeah And then they're in the gym and Leslie is working Scott out and they talk about her car and she says it was her grandfather's car and he left it to her when he died. And that the dent on the driver's side door reminds her of the dimple that her grandfather had on his left cheek and that's why she never got it fixed. All the mechanics told her if you fix the door, you have to get rid of the dimple. Yeah. So Scott and Leslie go for a little stroll in the rain and they talk about how when Scott was a kid, he wore these like thick, thick glasses and people called him Mr. Magoo. (laughs) But Leslie says that unlike him, she was actually pretty popular in high school because she was friends with people in all different cliques. But some girls did give her a little bit of drama because the guys always liked having her around. 
And Scott is like, hmm, so you're that kind of girl. And she's like, no, like I was a good girl. And then very casually, he's just like, yeah, I know you were a good girl. And I was like, oh my God. It's me. Excuse me. Because he's like, yeah, I know you were a good girl. <laughs> Anyways, what do you want to eat? I was like, we brushed past that awfully yeah. quick. <laughs> Rewind, take it back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they stop at this like Caribbean food truck and – he asks Leslie to, you know, get whatever she wants. And then he orders cocoa bread and she is very surprised that he knows what that is. And he's like, mm-hmm. what are you talking about? And she's like, well, you're like rich. I thought you only ate like sushi and Mediterranean food and like olives. And he's like, what do you mean? <laughs> Again, he's so down to earth. He's so salt of the earth. So down to earth. <laughs> so Back at Scott's place, Leslie and Scott are playing cards, and they actually, like, get into some pretty deep conversation. He tells her mm-hmm. that he wouldn't recognize his own father if he saw him, and sometimes while he's playing, he wonders if his dad is sitting in the stands somewhere cheering for him. And she's like, like, that's pretty heavy. And he's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they keep playing, and... Scott gives her a little look and he's like, so I have to ask you, like, you haven't been on a date since you got here. I don't see anyone blowing up your phone. And she's like, yeah, I'm single. But he's like, you're great. Like, you're smart. You're attractive. You're funny. Why are you single? And she says, she guesses she just hasn't found the one she's looking for. The one she can't live without. Then she sneezes for a second time during the conversation, and Scott looks concerned, and he's like, oh, no, you might have a cold. But she's like, I don't get sick. Cut to. (laughs) Cut to Scott taking care of a couch-ridden Leslie while she's sick. Literally so intimate, feeding her soup. He's like, you have to take another bite. You have to get better. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Love this, like, kind of callback parallel, obviously, to the first date where, like, that guy is feeding her tiramisu. But this time Mm -hmm. it's, like, with so much love and care. It's so much more intimate. And as he's, like, literally feeding her this soup, he's looking at her like she's the most special person that he's ever seen in his entire life and says, you've been taking care of everybody but yourself your whole life. And, I mean, as an acts of service girly – um yeah i was screaming i was screaming i don't know i think i i mm. are you saying you like acts of I service am, yeah yeah i like them too like i feel the most like the greatest sense of joy yeah not from like a gift or kind words i'm just like do my chores yeah like <laughs> get give me lunch like make my life a stitch easier and I will be so happy. Yeah. My problem is, is that I love it, but I have a hard time letting people do it. Yeah. So like, for example, when Matt was coming, I was like stressed because I didn't have a lot of time before he was getting here. Cause I was like working all of the days leading up. And I was like, I have to clean mm-hmm. my apartment and I have to do all this laundry and I have to do this and this. He was like, I'll just, I'll do your laundry when I get there. And I was like, no, you, like you can't like I right because you're like it has to be perfect for you to arrive. 
It has to be perfect. It has to be. But I need to be the best host, and I need to have clean towels. Yeah. So I was like, Oh my gosh. No, you can't do that. But then I literally ran out of time. So when he got here, while I was editing, he washed all my towels for me and Aww. did my dishes and like took out the trash, which oh, that's I nice. really appreciated. But it was killing me to let him do it. <laughs> so that's my toxic issue. Is I'm like, I want you to do it. But I don't want you mm-hmm. to, to do it. it. No, for sure. Because I'm also like, I want you to do it. But then I'm like, I'm almost, <laughs> this is horrible of me. But I'm like, I shouldn't have to ask for it to be done. No, that's not That's not horrible. I don't think that's horrible at all. I think that a lot of people have an issue of taking responsibility. And so when you are somebody who takes a lot of responsibility on yourself, you don't want to have to also mm-hmm. take the responsibility of having to ask someone to do it. Right. Yeah. So that's like, yeah. Yeah. But um, definitely love people doing nice things for me. Yeah. Like, I don't care if you tell me, like, you're the best. Like, you can do this. Like, that's nice to hear in a conversation, yeah. like, when you're talking about something. But, like, I just need the actions yeah. to speak louder than the words. Same. Same. Um, where are we? Oh, yes. He is, he is now offering to give her some tea. That's the next move. He's like, do you want some tea? Do you want anything? And she's like, no, no, no. He's like, okay, well, I'm right here if you need anything. And he sits down and turns on oh the TV. Gosh. They show us that they're watching Romancing the Stone for like four seconds. Um, but eventually they fall asleep together on the couch. Mm-hmm. And, you know, very Lizzie McGuire, Gordo style. Scott eventually wakes up. He's like, oh my God. And he oh tucks God. the blanket Wait, on her me. before going to bed. And I'm like, I wish he just like stayed there, but alas. Yeah, I thought he was going to for yeah. a second too. Back at practice, Scott is on the floor. Like he's in the game. Well, not in the game. He's in the game during practice, yeah. but. The coaches and team owners are watching and they're like, I don't know. Like, I'm surprised he's back so soon. He's a little stiff, yada, yada. However, they need him for the playoffs. So they are going to need to put him in. Like, they don't have a chance without him. Doesn't seem like you have a very strong team then. We don't need to talk about that. (laughs) We do not need to talk about that. Is that that a common thing in basketball where it's like there's one star player that it all hinges on? Well, if you must know, Mm -hmm. in a way, yes, because each team has their stars, but the way the draft works, it is supposed to make it so that there's usually a star or two, Mm. but it's supposed to be evenly distributed throughout the different teams. So everyone gets a star or two. Right. So like on the Nuggets, like Luka Doncic, I think he's on the Nuggets. Am I, like, fucking making up shit? I know. I'm thinking of Nikola Jokic. He is on the Nuggets. He's a center, huge player, like, all-star player. Mm -hmm. And if he got injured, or, like, Giannis Attentacumpo, he is a star Bucks player. He's a power forward. And he led them to, like, championships and playoffs. And, like, he... 
Because there are some players. Oh, my God. I am talking too much. I'll make this brief. <laughs> there are just some players who are what they call like a playmaker mm. where they like are able to take control. And even if they're in this one position, like they make the play happen. They kind of give that extra juice right. where all the, the puzzle pieces just like go in to place. Yeah. Troy Bolton was a playmaker. They say that, but I think Chad was actually <laughs> probably the playmaker. <laughs> You're a playmaker, son. <laughs> Do you ever think I could be both? Anyways, um, so <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Later that night, Leslie is on her way to bed with a little midnight sweet treat. It looked so good. So good. Yep. When she hears some beautiful piano music coming from this secret room so she wanders over and scott is playing the piano with the door ajar i will say so i think he definitely wanted her to hear he was baiting absolutely he was that was a little Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm self-report so yeah he's like playing the piano she opens the door and he immediately stops he's like oh i suck i was like okay Sure, sure. Right, right, right. But Leslie asks to hear more, and he's like, no, like, I'm more comfortable on the court. But eventually he gives in. He plays a little ditty for his lady. And she sits down, and the song he's playing is It's the More I See You. And she starts, like, singing along. It's so sweet. I really loved it. Also, like, two people sharing a piano bench is always going to be, like, so intimate and beautiful. Of course. I was so happy she sang. I was yeah. like, is she going to play with him? But she sang, and I was like, oh. Yeah. So Scott reveals how nervous he is to mess up the game tomorrow. But Leslie, she believes in him a thousand million percent, and she says, you won't fail. And he says, what if I do? What if I can't play anymore? Like, who would I be without basketball? And she says, you'll be Scott McKnight. You'll still be you. Mm-hmm. basketball is what you do but it's not who you are and no matter what happens tomorrow you're still extraordinary oh i love it it's so romantic it's so like mm-hmm. it kind of begins well <laughs> keep going we, we get we get into it so yeah so he then mentions her little midnight snack, and she's like, well, it's my no-miss pick-me-up pick me recipe. Mm. It's chocolate chip cookies with melted marshmallows in between. So he tries one and says, yep, I do feel better. And, like, he goes to reach for another <laughs> one, and she's like, no, no, these are mine. He's like, come on, give me one more. Don't be greedy. And there's, like, so much tension between the two of them. And then they're like, there their faces are just inches away. And they're, like, Mm -hmm. looking at each other's lips and into each other's eyes. But then she eventually breaks the tension and says, you you better go get some rest. And after what feels like an eternity but is probably, like, three seconds, Scott says, yeah. So Leslie leaves to go to bed and Scott goes back to tickling those ivories. The way that they, like (laughs) – Turn the play fight into mm-hmm. like I love. It was so satisfying. Yeah, yeah. On, at the piano bench and like, uh, I love this whole scene. I thought it was so beautiful. And this is like the beginning of her. I mean, 
since Morgan left, she has shown up for Scott not only as a trainer, mm-hmm. but as like a motivator and a friend and confidant. Yeah. But like her pep talk to him really sh- like shows how much she cares about him and his success yeah. and like wants to build up his confidence in himself. Mm-hmm. So we go into the game we're in game seven not in the playoffs okay we're currently in game seven of determining who from the east will represent in the playoffs wait no does that make sense yeah i guess so they're they're it's not the championship game it's 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 deciding who's going to the final like to the championship game right Exactly, exactly. So the thing about the playoffs is there are, um, you you know, you play against different teams, but it's the best out of seven. Mm. So if you play against a team and they win three games in a row, you play the fourth game and you're like, damn, if they win this, like it's over. But if you then win the three next games – you would have a seventh game. Mm. Or like if they won two, then you won two and like so on and so forth. So the fact that they're in game number seven means either party could win and yeah. like whoever wins this one goes on to the big the big one. Yeah. So Scott <laughs> Christine writes, Scott chops it up with Dwayne <laughs> Wade for a second before the game starts. I had no other way of phrasing it because it's the briefest interaction. I was like, I'm not going to yeah. write what they say because, like, I don't even remember. But they just they just <laughs> chopped it up real quick and then off they go. <laughs> He's like, you're starting good because, like, I wouldn't be winning yeah. unless I, like, dunked on you or some shit. Yeah. So Scott is absolutely rusty and Miami is scoring a big time. They're just basket after basket after basket. Mm-hmm. Scott finally gets the ball, shoots, and he misses. And it just goes on like this for a while. His knee is, like, bothering him. But it it feels very much like he is holding back because he's concerned about his injury. And he ends up getting frustrated and walks off the court. And he sits on the bench, like, just so grumpy and, like, pushes his chair away from the other player. He's, like, going into self-destruction mode. Mm -hmm. So Leslie excuses herself. She's actually sitting with his mom and goes down to the bench and she's like, okay. She tells him that he's playing because he's afraid his knee is going to fail him, but it won't. He can do anything he needs. He just needs to believe that he won't fail. And she just really hammers at home that he is rehabilitated. Yeah. He can succeed in the game. Like, he shouldn't hold back. He's done the work. And now he just needs to, like, let that talent shine through and play the best game. Yeah. So Scott feels just reinvigorated. He gets back on the court. And they're like, finally, McKnight is back in the game, playing his freaking heart (laughs) out. He slam dunks, which honestly is not, like, something that happens a ton in games. It's like more of a trick yeah. than something that I feel like movies lead occurs. us to believe that it happens like constantly. Like all the time. They're just going dunking, yeah. dunking, dunking. Yeah. Um 
But the game continues on and the Nets are down by two, fourth quarter. Scott has the ball. They need a three-pointer to win. And Scott shoots a uh, – almost said field goal. <laughs> Scott shoots a three-pointer. It's in the Nets win. They're going to the championship game. They're representing the East Coast, baby. Very exciting. Yeah. So in the post-game pandemonium, Scott is making his way through all these reporters but goes straight to Leslie and his mother. Uh, After hugging his mother, he gives Leslie like a very long, heartfelt hug. Yeah. And he thanks her and she's like, oh, no, you were great. He's like, no, seriously. Thank you. Because if it wasn't for that speech, he was toast. Yeah. So he then says that Leslie deserves a nice bonus. How about a really (laughs) nice dinner? And she's like, all right, but you better come prepared with that wallet because I will not just be eating salad. This reminds me of white chicks. I was just going to say that. Perhaps not. (laughs) The lady will have a salad. Perhaps not. I'll have the steak smothered in onions, a rack of ribs, pasta with extra garlic, french fries with lots of vinegar, and a side of onion rings with lots and lots of sauerkraut. Wow. That sounds delicious, frankly. (laughs) So was this your favorite scene in the film? Absolutely. Anybody who knows me (laughs) knows that I live and die for a scene in a romantic comedy where a man stands at the bottom. It doesn't have to be a spiral staircase, but it is preferred if it is a spiral staircase. But he's standing at the bottom of the staircase, looking up, and we see his beautiful, beautiful apple of his eye emerge from the top of the- (laughs) Apple of his eye. From the top of the staircase, wearing a beautiful gown, and she makes her way down, and he looks at her in awe, and she's just like, oh, me, I just threw this thing on. And it is my favorite trope. I eat it up every single time. Yeah. You have to either get married at a venue with a great staircase Mm -hmm. or get married- at a hotel with a great staircase. Yes, yeah, those are the only options. So I need a I need a staircase, preferably yeah, them is the rules. spiral. <laughs> preferably a big spiral that I can fall down and crack my little head on the pavement. I just smack my little head on the pavement at the bottom of it because yeah. I will have peaked and I can then die. So yeah. Christ. <laughs> so they go to their night out and they uh, I love where he takes her. Me too. It was so, so uh, I can't. It's so romantic. Yeah. They go to a gorgeous jazz club and they drink champagne. And who comes out on the trumpet but Terrence Blanchard, world-renowned trumpeteer and composer. And there's like jazz playing. They're in a private room. They're having a blast. Um, he's leaning over and whispering in her ear, romance. Yes. A romance. Fellas, take notes. This is how you do it. Mm, ladies, he will never, never take you to a private room, get your favorite musician. That's honestly a flex, though. Yeah. Like, imagine you're getting married and um, uh, Matt is like, I got Lizzie McAlpine to sing our first dance song. 
It would be depressing, actually. It would probably be really sad. But I would be very happy. <laughs> so. Yeah. 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 No, this this is great. And honestly, you don't even need to do like the any sort of private thing or like any sort of world-renowned musician. Take your lady to a jazz club more often. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. T- that's what I'm saying. That's it. <laughs> yeah. And yet they don't. <laughs> <laughs> and yet the men aren't taking the ladies to the jazz club for some reason. Yeah, and yet a man has never taken me to a jazz club. Matthew, do you have anything to say for yourself? (laughs) (laughs) Put him on blast. (laughs) So at the end of this gorgeous, gorgeous evening, they arrive home. Scott gets out of the car to open her car door for her, which again, lovely touch. And what does he have waiting for her on his street? But her jalopy no longer. Her car has been completely refurbished. However, he kept the dent in the door. Ah, a gentleman. He got them to install, like, butterfly doors so she could keep her grandfather's dimple. That is so special. So special. So thoughtful and caring and just, ugh, blew me away. Mm -hmm. So incredibly sweet. He, you know, Leslie gets in. She gets to see the brand new interior as well and he helps her out of the car and she like very excitedly gives him like a a peck on the lips but as soon as she comes away this man like grabs her face and pulls her in and gives her like a real kiss and i was like oh wow oh my god the chemistry was chemistry no it was a really good kiss yeah like honestly this is one of the most natural-looking kisses I've seen on screen. Yeah, the kisses in this movie are very good. Yeah, because it's like, that's how it usually starts, right? Like, people don't just start making no. out. It's like a little peck, and then it escalates. Yeah. Um. Then we cut to the bedroom. Oh, my God. Um. Clothes are... Sh- I'm literally covering my mouth <laughs> right now. I'm like, clothes are strewn about. Oh mm-hmm. They are clearly enamored Mm -hmm. they're in love Mm -hmm. and leslie wakes up to a tray of waffles and breakfast items and a mimosa with a note from scott saying i'll be back soon enjoy ladies (laughs) ladies ladies a man will never and yet so simple (laughs) so easy throw some Uh, well waffles in a toaster for all i care oh yeah Oh, yeah, just give me syrup yeah. on something. Just put it on a tray and put it next to me. <laughs> right. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Mm-hmm. And she's also just enjoying being in this bed. She's, like, feeling, like, smelling the pillows, feeling the sheets. Dancing. Egyptian cotton, I'm sure. Yeah. Na, 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 Sheets of Egyptian cotton. Am I right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So... Unfortunately, this beautiful, beautiful morning is ruined for Leslie because as she is bringing her tray back to the kitchen, the doorbell rings. It's Morgan, and she wants to talk to Scott. So Scott eventually comes back to his home after his jog and is shocked to see Morgan there, and she just says, Hey, baby. And I was like, Don't you call him that. I do not like when she calls him pet names. No. It, like, does not give me 
It gives me the egg. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a pet name girl myself. She apologizes for leaving him and says that she was just confused. Her mom died when she was three, and her dad left after her fifth birthday, and she never saw him again. And she was terrified of loving someone completely and having them leave, so she ran. Scott says that he wouldn't have left her, and when Leslie hears this, she just walks away. She's heard enough. She knows that he's going back to her. And Morgan says that if he still feels an ounce of something for her, to give her a chance. She loves him, and they're meant to be together. He tells her that she should go because he needs time to think. Ugh. So Leslie is packing her stuff when Scott comes in, and he tells her three months ago he was planning on marrying Morgan. She's gone through a lot to be with him, and he tells Leslie the last thing he wants to do is hurt her. She's so special to him. But Leslie says she knows that she's special to him. A very special friend, but that is not enough for her. So she zips up her bag and leaves. And as soon as she gets in her car, she just breaks down in tears. And it's so heartbreaking because she's just had the night of her life, the best day ever. Like, feels like something out of a dream, what she's been waiting for for so long. And to have him be like, I need to give it a second shot. It's just like heartbreaking. Yeah. And you know what's wild? Leslie and Scott have spent the same amount of time together as Morgan and Scott, three months. Ooh. And we all know which relationship is more substantial. But yeah, this this moment is so awful, especially because obviously she spent so long kind of like denying her feelings for him just because, I don't know, if she felt... I guess she, I guess she was kind of like friend zoned and like she was yeah I mean so we both read this article from Refinery Twenty Nine mm-hmm. that like talks about the movie in depth and they actually talk about if Scott is like worth getting back right. together or if like he made too big of a transgression and it is re- very much up in the air because they end up together. I think we can yes. all infer this, but he does put her through some rigmarole. Yeah. They have this connection. He doesn't pursue it. He pursues Morgan instead. And then finally he has this moment with her and it's magical and amazing. And then he's like reeling it back. Mm-hmm. But then he does a big public gesture and he's like, I was wrong. What am I doing? Like, I need to be with this woman. And, and then she's expected to take him back yeah so it, it kind of depends like you know is scott worthy of her, her forgiveness like yeah i think that i i understand his impulse to like go back to that relationship because that was somebody he was planning on marrying and like mm-hmm. making a commitment to and obviously there was not closure or like it, it's basically the loose end that was left untied yeah but also like she showed who she was when she left you and even though she has this like reasoning about her past which again I don't know how much I believe just because they go they really go back and forth on how evil they want to make Morgan based on like what serves the story in that moment yeah that it is again like hard for me to get a real grasp on her but I think that like at the end of the day you need to like 
what's the quote where it's like, oh, if somebody shows you who they are, like, believe them. Oh, that's a gay thing. Yeah. But I don't think he's, like, beyond forgiveness. I just, I don't know, maybe it's because I've seen men do so much worse in other rom-coms and be forgiven. Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, damn. I'd probably forgive him, to be honest. But I think depending on your self-worth, maybe yeah. you wouldn't. I don't know if it's just a question of, like, personal tolerance, really. Yeah. And I would definitely need to see, you know, actions put behind it to prove that I can, like, trust you kind of thing. But yeah. Yeah. So Leslie goes back to her fixer-upper in New Jersey. She is painting in, like, the most insane way, um, <laughs> which I really clocked because I just like painted my apartment and I had to learn how to paint for the first time, like on my own. Yeah. And she is going in all sorts of directions and just painting over the same spot over and over and over and over again, which is just the most incorrect way to ever paint a wall. So don't do that. But she is angry and this is her outlet. <laughs> But her dad comes over and tries to talk to her, but she clearly doesn't want to talk about it. So they just paint together in silence. And again, I love I love her dad. I love that he comes over even just to offer the support of like his company if she doesn't want to talk about it. Yeah. He is really um, a fantastic dad and yeah. very understanding. So Leslie does go back to work at her old job. And her coworkers ask what it was like living and working with Scott McKnight. And she's like, yeah, it was surreal. Uh, Scott is a really good employer. And now that I know that, like, I think I want my next move to be an athletic trainer in the NBA. She's going after it. Yeah. And they're all excited for her. They're very supportive. Mm -hmm. And they're like, can we get tickets? Can we get some tickets? Meanwhile, Scott and Morgan are back together. They go out for sushi where literally the man who plays the prince in Brandy Cinderella is the sommelier. Wilde did not expect oh to my see him. God? <laughs> yep. Um, oh, gosh. What's his name? I did not see that. Like, I didn't notice his presence. What's his name? Paolo. Oh, well. Yeah. No, his name is Paolo Montalban. There we go. Power. Yeah, he's just like playing the sommelier. <laughs> and we see this whole like conversation where him and Morgan are going back and forth about which sake to order, which definitely was like in there as a reference to the fact that she is not like down to earth and chill the way that Leslie is. Like she is more into the finer things and the status and all that. Yeah, right, right, right. So Morgan then reveals that she swung by the plaza today and found out that there's a Saturday in September that just opened up. If they want to get married there, like, would it be too premature if I reserved it? And Scott is like, yeah, that is way premature. Like, you only just came back into my life. And then Morgan, like, flips the script on him and is like, are you really in this? Because, like, if you're not going to give us a second chance, then I need to know. She's at, she's lost her damn mind. Yeah. And he's like, listen, after everything, I need to take this slow and you need to be okay with that. It's like a 
really weird conversation. And I just feel like how many transgressions or rather how many times in how many ways can she make it clear that she is in this for the money and the fame? Yeah. Like, especially after um, Leslie going back to the house and her straight up saying, like, I want to be someone. I need to be someone. Like, I can't be that with, like, a washed-up NBA star husband in some podunk town, yada, yada. Yeah. So we go back to Scott's house, and Scott is playing piano in his room, but he can't stop thinking about Leslie. And then Morgan comes in, and she's like, babe, can I close the door? And <sighs> it's done. It's over. Yeah. Meanwhile, Leslie is getting phone call after phone call from professional teams wanting to work with her because of Scott's success. So she gets offers from Phoenix, from Philly, and from the Nets themselves. That is crazy. Everyone's like, yeah, I'm I'm hiring, and I'm hiring. Yeah. So we go back to Scott's place, and Scott gets the good news from Nelson that the Nets have a new and improved five-year contract for him, and it's ready to close. He also tells him that he has a new client, Leslie, and she got offers from five different teams, including the Nets, but she turned them down, and it looks like she's going with Philly. Wow. Yeah. Devastating to Scott, obviously, because the woman he loves is about to move to Pennsylvania. I'm also like, Nelson, how much money are you making from just being one guy's agent? Yeah. Well, maybe he has more agents or more more clients but he says in the original like birthday thing he's like to my one client oh whoa (laughs) he must be making a ton well he did say that they've known each other since high school right so i feel like probably scott pays him really well yeah or he has like a normal job but like he is his agent for yeah (laughs) i don't know i don't know here it's a movie. Stop yeah. asking questions. It's a movie. <laughs> yeah. So we we throw it away. We forget about it. Mm-hmm. And Leslie is on her way to Philly to go see their facility there. But her mom doesn't understand why she would turn down her beloved home team. Leslie says that she just wants to explore her options. But her mom finally puts together that the reason is that she fell in love with Scott. And her dad starts going off about how much of a fool Scott is for not realizing how special she is. But Leslie stops him and is like, it's fine. The girl who was supposed to get a guy like that did. Mm. That's so sad. I know. Scott is on television. He's doing this interview with Stuart Scott while Morgan is in the studio. She's like watching, you know from behind a monitor, Mm -hmm. and they talk about his grand return to the game, and he says it's all because of Leslie Wright. She saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. She believed in me so much, she practically willed me back to the game. Yeah, it was a lot of hard work, but even when I was in pain and wanted to quit, she wouldn't let me. Instead, Leslie, she made me laugh. Somehow, she made the worst three months of my life the best three months of my life. I wouldn't be here without her. Wow. And then he literally, he's like, takes his mic off. He's like, I gotta go. To go 
get his girl. Wow. And he tells Morgan this isn't going to work. And Morgan's like, I understand. And she could tell when he was talking about Leslie, Mm -hmm. she knew where his heart was at. And this is where she like lets him go without a fight because Leslie is her best friend and she wants the best for her. And I'm like, you can't fault a girl's girl. Right. So she tells him, like she tries to stop him, but like not to stop him. To be like, hey, I just want to let you know she's in Philly. Yeah, that's where you can find her. (laughs) Yeah. Why don't you hop over there? Yeah. No, I I love this speech. I feel like it it comes across as so sincere and natural. Like a lot of the dialogue in this movie is super, super natural, which I like. Yeah. Um, Super natural. Super natural. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I just – I really enjoyed it and I thought that Common had a lovely delivery on it. So I did too. Yeah. Good job, sir. So we go to Philadelphia. Leslie is getting a tour of the 76ers facility who I don't know who this is, but I assume this is a famous basketball player that she's getting a tour from. Um, Somebody I'm sure is screaming at me um, being like, it's this person. I just I don't know. I don't know. But anyways, she leaves the tour and outside who does she find but Scott waiting for her. She does not want to talk to him and tries to walk away, but Scott tells her that he's in love with her. In love. But Leslie does not buy it, and she's like, absolutely not. You're just saying this because you finally figured out who Morgan is, and I'm just plan B. But I will not be plan B for anyone, not even for Scott McKnight. Mm. And he says that she's not his fallback plan. He knows her. She's like, you know me. He's like, yeah, I know you. And I know you love me, even though you're mad at me right now. But I'm not leaving these grounds without you. I'm not waking up another morning without being able to look at you next to me. And I love that line, but I hate the line that follows it. Because it's like too on the nose for me. He says, Leslie, you're just right for me. Which is the title of the movie. Yeah. Oh, I didn't notice that. Until- I'm actually endeared <laughs> Yeah, I was. Just, I just hate it when they say like the title of the movie in the movie. Yeah. It's always at a pivotal moment too. It's like, and sweet home Alabama. I couldn't <laughs> be. I couldn't be with anyone but you. <laughs> like you know, I just <laughs> right. I couldn't be with anyone but you. <laughs> yeah, I just I hate it. But I did love the line where he's like, "I don't want to wake up another morning without." being able to look at you next to me because that's what she wanted was somebody who like couldn't live without her of course and that's him so after he gives a speech she turns around turns away from him pulls out her phone and he's like you're gonna make a phone call while i'm pouring my heart out to you but it turns out she's calling the nets Mm -hmm. and telling them she'll take the job (gasps) oh my god so they share this like explosive hug and she starts like tearing up and again it's so such a beautiful moment he like kisses her on the cheek before he like really kisses her on the lips and it's just like so passionate yeah and full of love and they say i love you to each other oh that is a really like it's a very touching moment i love yeah. how she walks out and he he also says very explicitly like tell me like if you're gonna work here like i'm gonna get traded like he's like i'll be wherever you are like i'll go wherever you are i'll follow you and 
So he's willing to put everything out there. He's willing to make any sacrifices because he knows yeah, that, she, like, that I he will, needs her. I will leave the nets even though I bleed. Red and blue Red runs and blue. through my veins, man. Yeah. So, so there you go. Yeah. And then we have our ending scene. Next season, Leslie and Morgan sit in the WAG section watching the Nets versus the Magic. And Leslie and Scott are married. Leslie goes back to her seat with the team and puts on her trainer jacket. And the Orlando Magic win the game. Unfortunately, I'm like, wow, they really had to do this to them. (laughs) But Leslie asks why he's the only one smiling when they lost by six points. And he says... Because he has her and they kiss the end. It's so romantic. I do wish that we did get like a reconciliation scene with Leslie and Morgan. But they were never mad at each other. Well, well just except they, they had that like fight and then we don't see them yeah. in a scene together until she like shows up at Scott's door. You're right. But also I'm like, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. I could not, like, Morgan pissed me off so much. Yeah. But, again, in the end, yeah, she's, like, not a bad person. Yeah, she put her shit aside. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, but I just so thoroughly, like, this is my favorite rom-com that we've done this month. And I just think it's such a great performance by Queen Latifah. Mm-hmm. She and Common have so much chemistry. I love the storyline personally. Yeah. Because obviously it always like is some sort of, you know, like a big, big time, you know, hometown star comes back and like reconciles with their past or like famous actress meets a guy (laughs) in a bookshop. But like, so we know that these plots are contrived in a sense, but like. Mm. This one feels so fulfilling because not only do they, like, fall in love, but she also, like, cultivates her passion. And she's like, I'm going to get a new job. And the way that they end up falling in love feels so natural. Like, she's rehabilitating him. And it's not that he, like, they don't get together because she's rehabbing him and he's like, I need you. They get together because they realize they have common interests and they – like get along so well and they have a natural like affinity and respect towards one another Mm -hmm. and they both have their own like individual professional success yeah yeah and honestly like i was surprised when i like was looking at the movie afterwards and saw that it came out in the 2010s because it feels so early 2000s to me where it has that like it doesn't have that lick of satire and irony that the rom-coms in the 2010s had like this is really that kind of golden tone that we hit with rom-coms in the early aughts right where it's not like everything is like quirky and like wrought with like existentialism yeah um and i do feel like there is a lot of that in like very white coated yeah things because I do find a general like disdain for life and like a malaise mm-hmm. in this like skinny like waif malaise aesthetic yeah. to be like very 
um, common in like, you know, movies with like all white casts and like a mm-hmm. white director and a white writer. Especially so, in the indie sleaze era. No, oh, yeah, exact, yeah. Exactly. So like I appreciated that this movie felt really rich with like actual people and like real mm-hmm. circumstances, like the circumstances of Leslie and um, Morgan and Scott, like, I don't know, their characters just feel more three-dimensional and, like, very real. And there's no, like, pixie dream girl character where it's, like, this person is just so unrelatable and here for – because even Morgan, she has these, like – well, she's, first of all, not a clear-cut good person, but also has, like, issues of her own and, it's like, stuff that she deals with, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I thought that the characters all felt like incredibly grounded. Mm-hmm. Um, the dialogue flowed very naturally. But and we also hit all of these like beautiful classical rom-com tropes. Like we have a friends to lovers moment. We have this really yeah. sweet meet cute. We have a falling in love montage. Like the declaration of there. love in a public forum. Yeah. The grand gesture, the big chase, exactly. you know, it's all there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I thought I think it's such a such a such a gem of a movie that I wish that I had watched growing up, and I hope that more people watch it um, because it's really fucking good. Yeah, and well, we we're gonna rate it first, but then I'll tell you where you can stream it. Yeah, what's your what's your rating? Gosh, I'm gonna give it a nine point five. Whoa! Yeah, I love this movie. I was actually gonna watch it again. Yeah. Well, I wanted to watch with my mom. I was like, Mom, like, let's watch this movie. Like, because my parents also love Queen Latifah. Mm. And um, it's a movie that actually, like, they do end up in bed together, but it's honestly very chaste. Yeah. So you, you can see watch it with your parents. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. not anything weird. But um, we couldn't get, like, H- it's streaming on Max in the U.S., so uh. like, we couldn't get the app on the TV oh. in my parents' <laughs> living room. But... Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is, like, a movie that you can enjoy with your family, too. Oh, yeah. Which is refreshing, you know? Definitely, definitely. Like, even when they're in the bed together, they're just, like, laughing and looking at each other. Hee-hee. Hee-hee. That's pretty much it. But, yeah, if you are in Canada, it is available on Disney+. Plus. Wait, you didn't read it. Oh, my gosh. My rating. I was giving – I was going to give it a nine. Ooh. Yeah. I thought it was really, really good. So, yeah. Y'all better watch this movie. Y'all better watch the movie. Yeah. I posted about it today, and there were only 36 likes. That could have increased. It's the yeah. afternoon now. But yeah. also, the All-Star game is today. Well, Yeah. Crazy coincidence. <laughs> and uh, I know, right? But really, highly, highly recommend. Yeah. Because if you haven't seen it, babes, new rom-com? Yeah. New rom-com to you? Yeah. Come on. Get on it. (laughs) Well, with that being said, we hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you would like a little bit more content from us, you can always listen to our Sweet Home Alabama episode on Patreon. Mm -hmm. Or you can follow us on Instagram at Movies That Raised Us. You can follow us on 
Twitter at MTRU underscore pod. You can follow us on TikTok at Movies That Raised Us Pod. And you can always send us a good old-fashioned email at Movies That Raised Us at gmail.com. And we will see you next week for our final Fall in Love February episode. Oh my gosh, the end of February. Crazy, crazy. so crazy. The year is flying. <laughs> but yeah, we will see you next week for another movie. I'm Mo. And I'm Christina, and our theme song is by Garrett Schmidt. Bye. Bye.